podcast with no spoilers. Featuring me, Gemma. And me, Michael. We're talking about episodes that are broadcast in the UK on the 24th through the 28th of October. Episodes 10,777 to 10,782. You're sounding very serene today. Have you had any, like, spiritual eye experiences just... or something? You've been dropping your pumpkins on the street. I've just read an article on The Guardian that says we're all breathing too much. So I'm trying not to breathe anymore. No, you need to, they're not going to be able to hear us, Gemma. We don't want people saying there's bad sound quality on this podcast because other people might say we're saying that we're like, spreading <laughs> some kind of far-right message or something. <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't being racist. You just couldn't <laughs> she, hear me. She was just being quiet. <laughs> Welcome to another podcast. Oh, my gosh. This is a late record. It's 10 to 10 we're starting recording this doing? tonight. Like, literally, I've, I think... I've still been trying to gather my thoughts about this week's Coronation Street. I think I quite liked it, actually. But I don't also think I've given it a whole lot of thought. Because we've been doing... It's been half-term week at the moment. So I've been off school, except I've been at school for oh, three yeah, days doing a lot of work. Plus, I've been doing a load of podcast stuff this week. Just for, for bonus podcasts. And we did the Patreon episode this week, which was... It was a fun one, wasn't it, Patreon, this week? It was um, top five characters that we would like to see return as ghosts in Coronation Street. Yes, we have. Hope you enjoyed yep. that, patrons. That was a lot of fun. For Halloween, we did Whoa. our... <laughs> speaking of Halloween, we did our bonus podcast, which came out just yesterday, which is The Curse of Number Six, which I really love doing. Hopefully, I hope you enjoyed that, everybody. We've not had... Oh, man. It, it was, I really enjoyed it. It was really good fun. Well, if you haven't listened to it yet, basically it's, it's the story of number six Coronation Street. Because I've been saying for ages we need to do another feature on a house, didn't we? Like we did with number nine last year. And then the fact that there is a bit of a legend around number six of Coronation Street that like, you know, all the no, characters. A meta legend, not in the show. Me- yes. No, there is a meta legend that, that number six Coronation Street is cursed and nobody can stay living there for a while. And most of the for people long. that have ever lived there are very boring. So we thought we'd kind of spin that into a bit of a ghost story and do like we did a few years ago when we did the ghost stories feature for Halloween. But this time we just did it about number six. So it was a it was a scripted podcast, wasn't it? Which um, is the history. bit out of the ordinary for us. Yeah, I tell you what, I can't be doing with that. Took six hours. It didn't. We weren't fully doing it for it, six hours. You weren't. I was. Gemma wrote most of the script for this. If anyone's I, interested, mm, we wrote it together. We wrote the beginning of it and the end of it together. But you did. I would say you did the bulk of the work, and I think it, I was really impressed with it. I thought it was thought great it was fun. Well, you did all the research. Yeah. And I, then I was like, going, I said, "Here's the facts. Turn this into something funny and spooky." And I was Gemma. saying things like, "Who was Steph Barnes again?" <laughs> You know, really. I anyway, know, really. But, uh, please t- let us know if you liked it. Uh, I really enjoyed it, um, but <laughs> I, uh, I enjoyed writing it, but twenty it was six hours for 25 minutes of content. And that was that was going really fast as well. So uh, I, I, I'm going to say, at certain points, I feel as though I was possessed and I was just writing anything. And that, you can probably tell if you listen to mm, it. I really enjoyed crap. recording it as well. I'm putting on my hammiest ghost story you were really reading hammy. voice. Yeah, I tried. I it, yeah, to. I could hear you from the in the hallway. <laughs> anyway, it was great. Um, Please listen. We put a bit of music on the background and everything. Please listen. Turn the lights off. It's jolly spooky. 
And, it is actually. Um, I think at point at some certain points, this is a bit like. Ooh. If anyone could just tell us they enjoyed it, that would that, that would, would make, make that it six feel hours. Like it was worthwhile <laughs> doing. Um, so we've been doing that. I've been doing stuff for next week's bonus podcast because we had to get that in early because you're not here next week, are you? Do you want to no, say I'm a little bit about to be this? In a parallel dimension, Gemma is going to be abroad next week. Yep, like all the other witches, we're all going to be abroad for Halloween. <laughs> do tell, do tell. I'm going away. Gemma's going away. To the funny farm. No, really. <laughs> Gemma, it's not a secret it's... where you're going, is it? Sorry, I only brought it up because of... <laughs> you're going to Europe. I'm going on holiday. Gemma's going on holiday with her friends. Yes. Secret location. And, and... I'm going to... All right, okay. I'm going to be going to the jungle. <laughs> yeah, Gemma is actually... <laughs> That would be, be so funny. You're going to be if hanging out you, with Sue Cleaver. I told you I was going on holiday with my friends and then, and then Rebecca was like... Have you seen Celebrity? <laughs> <laughs> like, no, no, watch Why that. would I be in it? Tell you what, maybe I will watch it with you and her. I tell you what, if they carry on doing that show for long enough, there will be a stage at which this very, 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 very small amount of celebrity would be enough to get us on. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's only going to take a few thousand years yes. to get through all the ex-Big Brother contestants. You're going to Bruges, aren't you? You're going as a 40th birthday um, trip with all the gemmers of the 40th birthday friends. Relevant. It's not relevant. So, well, it's relevant because it means that I'm going to be home alone for another week, send your care packages, P.O. box. Uh, Excuse well, no, me. I knew we should have set one of those up. Gemma has set, uh, set up some food for me to heat. You um, are a grown man, aren't you? I am, I am. And, and I, I can I do have this. Actually I can heat up my spag bowl. tell you, I've made you a bunch of food. Gemma has given me instructions and for heating up the curry. Can I just also say, I bet, you you're, I bet you're thinking to yourself, I don't know how to make, cook that shepherd's pie. <gasps> Is it not obvious? I bet you, well, how, how would you cook a shepherd's pie that was frozen in the freezer in a glass dish? I'd just like stick it, <laughs> um, put it in the oven for a bit. Don't you? What temperature? I don't know. What time? I'll text you these things. You're not texting me. I'm I not answering any questions. I don't know. Home. I'm gonna I'm gonna be doing that. I'm gonna be surviving by myself next week. I'm gonna watch Coronation Street without Gemma, but it does mean uh, you're going coming back on either Friday evening or Saturday morning. We haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> When you're returning to your, your to the no... UK, but no, I'm just saying when the podcast is going to be out late next week because Gemma's not going to be able to watch Corey until at least Saturday, so it's going to be a Saturday or Sunday episode. If at all, it's definitely going to happen. It. I'll just wing it. No, I'll but pretend I watched it with the stuff that's How going on this week. I'm haven't. quite looking forward to talking about next week actually because I'm quite intrigued about where some things are going. But anyway, with that little preamble that's done, that's what's been going on to us. Also, <sighs> thank you to everybody who's um, entered the competition that we talked about last week in the uh, in the feedback section lovely Richard has offered up a um, Coronation Street puzzle book to anybody who writes into us and I can't remember oh and you had how to how many pages how are many in pages it? are in the puzzle book you had to you had to write in and tell us I we'll, we'll pick next week because um yes. give some people a bit more time next that's it can I do that's the quiz it now? it is time for a quiz go on <sighs> things that happen between silent me Things that happen between the 24th and the 28th of October in years ending and a 2 and a 7. Yes. I sourced this from coronationstreet.fandom.com. Mm-hmm. 24th of October, 1997. Now a single parent, who does Sally Webster start dating? 1997? Uh, oh, God, that's a good yawn you got there. <sighs> who is your... Um... I'm really tired. Greg Kelly. You wrap this up. Greg Kelly. Chris Collins. Chris Collins. She was through her men pretty quickly. Once Kevin was out of the way, wasn't she? Chris Collins, Greg Kelly. Um, who Someone else did else. she have it off with? Martin Platt. 
24th of October, 2012. Sophie is hit by a car, but how does it happen? Oh, she, um, this is when Ryan Connor was off his face on drugs, wasn't he? And he was walking into the traffic and Sophie was like, no, don't walk into traffic. And you she might goes get to try hit and, save him, and, and then she bash, gets and then she goes, see? Yeah. Yeah, I'm surprised you knew that. I could not remember that happened. I can't, I know it happened, but I literally, I cannot visualise it happened. I can't think of what it looked like and how they actually filmed it, but I know it happened. Okay. Um, yes. 25th of October, 1976. Number five. 1976? Oh, I've done the wrong year, but I don't care. <laughs> I, but can I tell I have had a really bad day, so just... Okay, okay. Number five is put for sale by the landlord, alarming Albert and Ina, who don't know what's happening to Minnie, as she's staying elsewhere with Handel Gartside. Who lives at number five now? Gemma and that. Who lives there? Gemma, Bernie, Chesney, Alan, Cleo. The other ones. No, I need all the names. Uh, Karis. Yep. One more. Um, Bryn. Yeah, you'd got them all. Yes. That was an interesting question based on your little... um, Well, it didn't really matter what year it was, did it, in the end? No, it didn't. didn't 25th of October, 2002. You got me second guessing now. No, that's fine. That is fine. That is is 20 years ago. Platt comes out of a coma after being attacked by who? Sarah Platt comes out of a coma after being attacked by who? Who did Sarah? Have we talked about this? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know who Sarah Platt got attacked by. Um, I don't know. Move on. What's the answer? <laughs> Aidan really... Critchley. Oh, I should have guessed it was. Why did Aidan Critchley attack her? I don't know. Are you sure uh, she was attacked and not involved in a car crash? I really don't know. If it was a car crash, I'm going to get a point for that. <sighs> keep going, keep going. 26th of October, 1992. Where does Derek Wilton get a job working under Harry Potts? School. The Weatherfield Comp. Yeah. He was a caretaker. 27th of October, 1997. How does Ken Barlow end up in bed with Nick and Leanne? (laughs) (laughs) Falls through the ceiling. Why was he fall through the ceiling? He was sneaking around in the attics because Les had been doing a little bit of naughty, naughty sneaking, going around the attics and going into number three and making use of Emily's facilities, including the toilet probably. Ken um, got on the case, had a little bit of a sneaky sneak himself and fell through the ceiling into... Number five, on his way back. And that's what happened. And Nick was there with his top off and Leanne was there with her Spice Girls posters on the bed. Beautiful. And, that, and Ken came in and was covered in dust. True 90s. We watched that just uh, last year, didn't we? 27th of October, 2017. Final appearance of which character? I think I saw this on Twitter the other day. I'm going to say Andy Carver and Vinnie Harvey. Vinnie Harvey, man. Yeah. Yes. Two characters. Well, I just had, I just got Andy Carver here. Yeah. I assume Vinny as well. 28th of October, 2002. Why does Ken get arrested? 2002? Did yeah, you say? Yeah, yeah. No, oh, don't get mad at me. Um, why did Ken you get arrested? Quiz, then. No, it's a great quiz. Why did Ken get arrested? All that, can I just also just say, all of the mistakes here are my, is my fault. It's not Coropedia doing. No, no, no. Um, why did Ken get arrested? Stupid. Why did Ken get arrested? I don't know, literally, my brain is mush today. 
do I've tell. I've got here, he's dangerously handsome. <laughs> I don't think that is he true. He punched Aidan Critchley. He punched Aidan Critchley. But you're going to now tell me that that wasn't no, true sure. and it was a car crash. No, he definitely punched Aidan Critchley He wasn't punching Aidan, he was driving a car into him. No, he punched Aidan Critchley in the face, in the classroom, in the episode. He's got a birthday coming up. Ninth, uh, 29th of October, Faith and Nicole Holt, who are Hope Stape the Fourth. Mm-hmm. 30th of October, director Walter Butler, director Roger Cheebly, and Speak of the Devil, Dean Ashton, played Aidan Critchley. Ah, happy birthday to him. 31st of October, Daphne Oxenford, who played Esther Hayes, and Craig Kelly, played Luke Strong. 3rd of November, writer and director Jim O'Hanlon. Happy birthday, all those people. Nearly bonfire night. It is nearly bomb. So what? I don't know. I'm just telling everybody: don't sell fireworks to children. No. Let's get on with street talk. Right, it's this week's street talk. As I said earlier, I think I think I quite enjoyed this uh, week's coronation street. I think that the relative lack of summer this week kind of helped the enjoyment of it. And we noticed that she wasn't in Wednesdays and Fridays episodes. It was good, wasn't it? And we also had, of course, the, the return of Spider in an um in an interesting direction for his character. I have to say, one that was maybe a little bit unexpected. But, um, it's weird, isn't it? I much prefer my idea of why he's an undercover cop, but... He's maybe got two... two cases on the go, I don't know. We're not going to talk about that I don't first, think but... so, because it's the same person. I am. Um, um, Reed in the Red we're going to talk about first, because I still haven't got another storyline title for that one, but Stephen's been, been very obviously shifty and nobody else has noticed all week this week. Anyone else surprised, as surprised as I am that Gabrielle's made it out alive? I know. I can't well, believe. We didn't see her get on the plane. But um, yeah, well, Gabrielle had a target on her back for the last few weeks, didn't she? I think maybe that's why she was so um, in such a hurry to scurry off today. But um, yeah, we'll talk about Stephen's stuff first. She suddenly got a hankering we'll... to go and hang out with a moose. <laughs> the moose is dead, Gemma. Oh. Then, anyway, I thought she was going to Milan, wasn't she? Anyway, I thought, well, how do you know they don't have a moose in Milan? Very good the point. The moose of Milan, it's called. <laughs> um, then, anyway, well, I thought what? that Stephen just said the moose was dead to put Audrey off of going to Canada. Oh, yes, And then he true. decided that he needed to up the ante by saying, you can't go to Canada because you'll die. Sam's been Googling the moose, yeah. Um, Osborne House we're going to do second, which is still my terrible storyline title for what's been going on with Daniel and Daisy's... Um, accommodation arrangement woes um next up we do have a storyline title for the spider story i haven't we yeah Gemma's got us his little smile on her face because i gave her this one earlier so we've been we've been saying about he's a spy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah he's a spy and so uh, and he's going to yes the concerts and everything so this week the storyline title is spy and gigs <laughs> Spying gigs, everybody. Like Ryan Liggs, the disgraced no, footballer. No, Ryan Giggs, not Ryan Liggs. Giggs, I said gigs. No, you didn't. Eileen Smiling is coming up next in a weird storyline that was a bit filler, but kind of fun. Um, we'll see what we think about that one later, because I don't think we've really talked about whether we like that one or not. Next up, we've got what's going on in um, number, uh, number, 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 nine Coronation Street, which was kind of almost two distinct storylines on Wednesday and Friday. Um, Wednesday was all about Tyrone's martial arts and Fizz kind of being a bit suspicious about what he's getting up to. Clearly, that one's got to just be called Taekwondo because it's about Tyrone doing it. And um, but on Friday, things turn take a bit of a turn, and we have the Book of John. 
It's a biblical reference. It's everybody. a reference to John. Uh huh. Um, Summer Baby had a, a bit of sneaky um, entrance into Monday's episode, as did the Double Crossed storyline. So we will um, we'll chat about those right towards the end. But we'll start off, as I said, with what's been going on with Mr. Reed this week. I thought we week. were going to start off by discussing what our thoughts are on Elon Musk taking over Twitter. I have no what thoughts do you on think? that. I, d- I think that. What? Um, I think that. Griff and his gang are going to be excited because they might think that he's going to crack down on all this snowflake wokey lefties. <laughs> That's true. He does want to make it a bit, um, bit free less, speech less zone. Censored there, yeah. Free Griff would be speech well up zone. Right. Anyway, Stephen. So. Teddy's still on the case. Remember, that's Leo's dad on Monday. He's been um, asking Ed for contact numbers of people that Leo had worked with on his last job because he's like he's been over there for like a month or so. Still haven't heard from him. Perhaps some of these old mates of Leo's would be in touch with him. Well, he was going to send a messenger moose, but it died. Yes. Stephen <laughs> takes an interest in this, saying, oh... You know, st- yeah, um, Jenny's still worried about it and everything, so I, I just, yeah. Keep him in those po well in here. So he heads to the pub and tells Jenny that Teddy is clearly still desperate to contact Leo. But oh, you know what, Jenny, I don't think that's the right choice. I think he needs to just leave him well alone here. Leo obviously doesn't want to be found at the moment. Uh, if you is... want to contact Leo, you need a Ouija board. Yeah. Teddy comes into the pub and Stephen explains all this to him. And Teddy says, look, keep your nose out of my business, mate. He's clearly spoiling for a rumble at this point. And that Jenny is. says, well, you can get out of my pub, Teddy, because I'm not having you and your attitude in here. I, your I bard. don't remember. Basically. Oh, God, well, I don't remember what happened there. So anyway, Stephen um, Fish has got Leo's phone in his pocket, hasn't he? And um, he, <laughs> have, he gets chatting He's so to... Dumb. Yeah, right right in front of everybody. If he's not having these secret conversations in public in Victoria Gardens, he's just saying, hey, look, everybody, it's Leo's phone. Um, And he uh, has a little chat with Daisy to chat. He basically, it's his way of finding Leo's... um, phone oh, pin code was... thing isn't it which I didn't even realise it was going it, on this... it would have worked on me it would have been sneaky enough I had no idea what he was doing but yeah, see he was... this is one of those dilemmas that really like you can't win if you're a writer because you either make it really convoluted and take ages and ages and ages or you take this route which isn't going hey Daisy let's say Leo had to write down a really significant four digit number <laughs> What would it be? It was almost as bad as that, wasn't it? And she's like, it? oh, probably his mum's birthday. Well, I can't remember. What did he He said? He's like, oh. He said, do you reckon oh, there's yeah. a time that he might get in touch with? Is there a like, significant, significant date coming date up? Significant date around here. And Daisy says, yes, I know all about Leo's significant date. Of course date. I know everything Obviously, about my stepmum's boyfriend's just mum. <laughs> and Stephen's like, oh, thank you very much. And then he put types in this date of the birthday. And what do you know? The phone unlocks, for heaven's sake. The Coronation Street writers rue the days. People didn't used to have um, locks on their phones. phones. I I, I remember watching the Apple keynote conference when they were talking about passwords and everything. They said, oh, this percentage of people don't have passwords on their phones. Like, yeah, no, why do we need that? Why would you want that? And and then they did some kind of locking thing with it so that everybody suddenly decided that was a brilliant idea. But Coronation Street was like, no, how can people steal each other's phones now? But in any case, luckily the first number that Stephen tried worked. It should... He should have tried that number and it didn't work. And then he should have come up and said, Doozy, is there any other significant number that Leo might might ever want? And she said, whatever like. And she should have said, 
Well, I don't know, but he wrote 8,008 into a calculator and he kept laughing about it. So try that. <laughs> <laughs> That's about Leo's level of humour, isn't it? <laughs> right, so anyway, Stevens into, into Leo's phone. Hooray. I'm just... Right. He, uh, yeah. Right, so... Um, Teddy comes back later. He's calmed down a bit, but he's pretty desperate um, about um, this whole situation. He just wants his son back. And Jenny says, look, let's have a meeting together. Let's have a let's find Leo meeting. You're right. We need to we need to get to the bottom of this. And he just... let's, where could we go for this meeting? Um, bistro, maybe? Yes, why not? We've got a perfectly good pub to discuss it here. But it serves storyline purposes if we dress up nicely and go to the bistro later. So, um... Uh, we also there's there's also a little bit where in there where Jenny's telling Daisy that Glenda's surplus to requirements at the pub now she's not going to Canada and Daisy's like oh no actually Glenda's great let's keep her so that's her locked into the Rovers. Um, Stephen snaps copious photos of Jenny and um, Teddy going into the bistro together on Leo's phone. Was it on Leo's phone? Oh, iPhone doesn't well, really it doesn't matter. matter. And um, uses it. He then texts well, he them. taking it? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. texts them from Leo's phone to say, hey, one of my mates saw you going into the bistro together. What's going on there? You've moved on from me quite fast, haven't you? On to my dad as and all. That's a bit weird. I hate you. Don't ever contact me again. And it's the silly thing is it seemed to work as well. Like Stephen's plans, his ways of getting out of some of these situations. Like later on when he's like, well, yeah, Stephen Leo says he's gone gone hiking in the Yukon in the middle of November, of course. Like, mm, I think I don't think Leo would do that. But everybody is just very handily buying all of Stephen's weirdo excuses. So anyway, they they uh, they believe this one. And, this um, had the potential to completely blow up in his face because if I thought that my ex was accusing me of dating his dad, I would not rest until I made it very clear that that was not the case. Yeah, I know. Because being accused of something like that that you haven't even done... Yeah, it's like, I no, son, know. I'm just trying to find you. It's bizarre. Although, to be honest... <laughs> It does sort of sound like a stupid soap cheating excuse. We weren't, we weren't um, going on a date. We were doing a, having a club to find to find you. <laughs> okay, I don't believe that. There's also the bit about um, I can't remember. It must be in this episode somewhere where Stephen has the revelation that phones can be tracked and their location oh, can be found and everything. He's like, like he's there busy oh, trying to man. trick Audrey about, hey, did you know you could turn notifications off on your phone? Yeah. And oh. he doesn't even realise that it's not a good idea to have somebody's phone out. Who's um, missing. Who's missing, where it's clearly and tracking also, his location. He doesn't even know what that little arrow at the top bar of the phone means. Tracking oh, man, you, I can't, honestly, he's just the worst, <laughs> isn't he? He's the worst. He is the worst. But he's hilariously the I'm worst. Still Fairly entertaining. Oh, I love it. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't, so, um, I wouldn't so want it's him all to be okay in my book. Too clever, would I? Yeah. So um, Teddy's like, right. I'm not having. Well, I suppose he does say I'm not having Leo thinking that I'm knocking off his his ex. I'm gonna go to Canada to go and track him down myself. And um, so Stephen's like, oh, curses! My plan didn't work. So his Teddy <laughs> gets another talking. message from from Leo in inverted yeah, commas later don't. saying, um, oh yeah. I, 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 this is where he says, I'm going hiking in the mountains for a couple of months because my job start date's been pushed back for a little while. I'm going to be off grid. Sorry. And everyone's like, 
Sounds sounds legit to me. As you do. Go hiking hiking in October in I I hear it gets to minus 30 degrees at this time of year in in certain parts of Canada. There are bits where you can... I don't... (laughs) I I just... I'd be like... Oh, it's... But it works. It works. So what are you going to do? It's it's very convenient that they, they believe Stephen's <laughs> pack of lies here. And um, so there uh, we go. I'm, I'm beginning to see why perhaps Stephen's been getting into spots of bother with his in his business world. Yeah, I, yeah, I know. He's useless. Anyway, um, Stephen, <laughs> Stephen asked Leo about this. And Leo... So, not Leo, sorry. Teddy about this. And then Teddy's tells him this hiking story and he was like oh yeah well you know, maybe it's for the best maybe you should just back off now for a for a little while hint hint so he's he's, he's in the clear now so he goes back to the pub does Stephen mm-hmm. updates Jenny on the situation and says yeah Teddy's decided to end contact with with Leo and he's not talking to you anymore but he's so not dead don't ask do me any me? more questions and, and maybe just move on love do you believe me that he's not dead you do believe me don't you he's not dead <laughs> definitely not in a bin and he's definitely not around here somewhere <laughs> So he's still loitering in the booth later, and this is when he hears about this location tracking thing being because DDNA DDNA are talking about it. They know, they know they're, they're tech like, wizards. DD's like, yeah, I'm doing it. I'm uh, I'm a case at the moment with a with a man who pushed another man in a bin and then walked around with his phone for two weeks, and <laughs> he was found immediately. Dee's like, oh my god, I didn't know that could happen. Dee's like, I've, I've just come back from living in um, California, the way that the land of Apple, and and we're a very tech savvy over there. Did you know, Dad, that phones can track your location? Hmm. Oh no! And um, yeah, obviously the the Pokemon Go craze passed Stephen by, and uh, so I'm he's not like, surprised about crikey, that. goes out the goes out the back because we're better placed than to do something extremely um, nefarious, nefarious, and, and a bit suspicious than. Just round the back of the pub where people always have to be walking down. Why didn't he do down. this in Victoria Gardens? <laughs> yeah, where have you... This, this is where... This is where... I don't care. The, the, the extensive Coronation Street set is a problem because you just need to get him out doing things outside. Just leave it, it's, it's fine. He just... He did he get caught? Loiter, no. He didn't get caught. He's back around the bins again, his favourite place. Smashes the SIM card with a brick before chucking the bits in Ken's bin. Um, so maybe Ken can get the fingered for the for the murder of Leo when he inevitably gets found. And anyway, at the end of the episode, Stephen bumps into Gabrielle in the street, and he's like, "Oh yeah, there's been more of a delay with with the, your money. Um, the mortgage people need to do a fraud check and and check that Audrey's sound of mind, etc., etc." And she huffs off. I just, if I was Gabby, I'd be like, "I'm Gabby, Gabrielle, we're on, you're on, uh, yeah, we're mates now, yeah, me and her, like this, yeah, yes. she's, um, yeah, she's. If I was her, I'd just be like, "You've had your chance, Mister. I'm telling everybody." If also, if I was her, I'd say, "You've told me far too much about this. I'm, I'm like now, I'm part of your stupid schemes. <laughs> Don't involve me." The thing is, she really, really wants that money back, doesn't she? And she knows I'm that if she goes blabbing, she's not, she's not getting her cash. So, um, Wednesday's episode wow, rolls around, and this is where Audrey, um, you know, is, is a bit nutty, because she get fed up of Gail constantly texting her all the time, and, um, and her phone beeping, and Stephen's like, hey, did you know that you can stop notifications on your phone? I had to do it when I was walking around with Leo's phone in my pocket. <laughs> and um, she's like, oh, I love it. Can you tell it? Can you, can you sort that out for me? So he confiscates her phone to do the very quick job of turning the notifications off. Um, and, and <laughs> I'm surprised he didn't go around the back and go, hello, 
It's me, Audrey. Well, this is what he gets. I know, but Gabrielle does. That was really funny. She Um, is English, isn't she? This actress, because she was on. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She was on, or she's from Great Britain. I don't know what part. Yeah, she 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 was was in the show before as somebody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With an English accent. She totally was English accent when she was in it five odd years ago. Anyway. Sam ends up spending the day with Audrey. Um, he's on half term, and he he decides that he'd like to see the Northern Lights. <laughs> she has a great yeah, line where like she's that. like, "Oh, love it." You mean the Blackpool Illuminations? I like that. That's you know, one of those silly. things that's like it is a silly line. It's she'll, funny. Surely she knows what the Northern Lights are, but it was kind of it was kind of funny, I guess. No, I, why didn't she say, "Oh, love it"? I really do like that album from Melanie C. <laughs> Stephen tells that Gabrielle. That was her first album, wasn't it? Almost. What is it called? Northern Star was her first. Oh, album. it should have been Northern Lights. That's more hilarious. Too late. I'm gonna write in. She too can late. do. She can do another album, can't she? Twenty three years too late for that. Stephen tells Gabrielle. I thought I knew that, a fact. Um, he, he has to pretend to be Audrey when the mortgage broker phones up later, and Gabrielle reckons this is this an utterly check. nuts plan. She basically she says, "What do I have to do? Sit around in the car all day waiting for the phone to ring?" And what? Ring, <laughs> the ring. phone rings. Very handy. Ring, ring. Um, and she does her best old lady voice on the call hey. to say, "Hello, yes, I'm Audrey. It's fine. Give Stephen so all this the is money." The- this is a really great fraud check, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's, the yeah. fraud check people are like, right, listen, do you have access to the person to prove that this isn't fraud or any woman who is who is okay to commit crimes? Maybe they uh, maybe they asked her, her security questions on the phone and it's really easy to guess, like Leo's PIN number. What's your favourite number? 8008. Next. <laughs> what was the name of the mayor of Weatherfield in the mid-90s? Oh, it's my outfit. What's, um, what's the most famous export of Weatherfield to France? <laughs> Not black pudding. What's your favourite food? Booze. Anyway. <laughs> Boobs. Um, booze. <laughs> Whatever she gets past the security oh, checks with her oh, amazing dear. espionage, um, and then she'd do anything for money, right, wouldn't she? Not the right word. Anyway, meanwhile we've also got um, Shona telling Max that Gail wants to have a family meal in the bistro later because it's been oh, a couple of days since they've had a family meal in there. The I've got a theory that they don't eat outside of those events, so they have to, otherwise they'll starve to but death. We might be right, maybe. Um, Max still hasn't forgiven them for the stuff with the police the other week anyway, so he's, that's his excuse for not going along to the party. So oh. they're all they're, um, they're Later on, they'll go to the Rovers, or is this the Bistro? I don't know. No, it is the Rovers. Stephen's there saying, oh, the equity release money's got into my account. I'm transferring you the £200,000, Gabrielle. Ta very much, says Gabrielle. And now um, he says he's going to get away from this place as soon as possible. Nobody's going to know about what sneaky nefariousness I've been up to until Audrey's dead, by which time I'm going to be long gone. And it's, it's like, a victimless crime. I, 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 while I was watching this, I'm thinking, does he literally hate his mum? Does he not care about No, her? no. Hang on a minute. Because I know he feels sorry for her later, but the way he was talking here, he's got very cold. Like, his, his plan here Wait. is to disappear and never see his family again. I don't like that. No, well, he didn't say... No. What? I don't think so. I just think he's he's not... I think he genuinely thinks it's a victimless crime. Because he, think, he thinks it's my it's my money, really, because she should leave me some. Maybe. And um, 
she, she when she's dead she doesn't need it she's not going to do anything she's not going to need it between now and then so it's fine he's just, he's just robbing his family isn't he and I don't I don't like that oh, I, I think, get how he's covering I his tracks after the old bin thing I think it's perfectly but, fine to steal money from your mum as long as she's not going to find out till she's dead fair enough so anyway um, he, so Stephen goes back to number 8 and he gets talking with Gail and Nick and says you know what I think mum's really turned a corner now I, I think she's strong enough to cope on her own and stand on her own two feet maybe I'm going to bob off back home to Canada now or Milan or wherever and mum can, can go else. on just fine I'm getting away from here after the bistro, which is what happens next. At the meal there, Sam announces to the family that he and Audrey are going on a Norwegian cruise to see the Northern Lights. <laughs> um, he's managed to twist her arm and they're going off on a holiday and, and Audrey's like, yep, yeah, and this is only the beginning. I'm going to do an equity release thing here, blah, 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 on my home too and then I'm going to use all my money and spend it while I've still got it. <laughs> this storyline does you know, kind of feel like it's going around in circles a bit about Audrey saying, no, family, you can have my money. No, 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 I'm going to spend it all it. on myself. No, not really, you can have it. And I was like, no, 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 actually, I'm going to spend it on you. Well, but- I think what's happened here is obvious to me. Stephen's been walking around going, I'm going to do equity release, but don't tell mom. I'm going to do an equity release on the house. Don't tell mom. And then Audrey's phone's been listening. Oh, yeah. And adver- starting advertising to her about equity release. Maybe. You know, the Facebook does that, right? <laughs> Everyone knows. I just think... I saw, I saw some people online um, theorising that maybe Audrey is kind of knows what Stephen's up to. I think and that is... doesn't make any sense. I don't think Audrey it... is not the sort of person who would create an elaborate scheme no, to I make don't him think... feel guilty. She would just confront him. Yeah. But it's just a bit of a massive coincidence that literally within hours of him doing his own equity releasing, she decides it's a great idea to do. I I, I didn't like that particularly. Maybe she overheard him on the phone and she thought he was talking about somebody else's mum and thought, I should do that. Well, yeah, maybe. Well, this, this is, <laughs> is the, the price he has to pay for being so terrible at being sneaky with his secret conversations, isn't what it? Price? Clearly. What? What do you mean? No, if he if, he's, if he was a bit better at having secret conversations, if he moved away from the vicinity for him to get up to his nefariousness, maybe Audrey wouldn't have overheard him if that's what she's done. Anyway, thought was very convenient soap-wise, but let's let's move on from that. Anyway, um, so she she's going to do the equity release. Stephen's like, oh bloody hell, that's going to cause a bit of problem for me. So he's like, mom, mom, no, I don't I don't think you should do that. That's a really bad idea. What if you had some kind of medical emergency and you needed the funds? Do you really want the company to get the house after you die too? And David's also like, I I don't know why Stephen's the one that gets the voice. I, I, I don't want to do the voices for everyone. I could, though. Dave is like, no, I'm not happy either that Sam's getting all this preferential treatment. you got three great-grandchildren, Gran, don't you forget about this. Well, Why yeah. are you favouring Sam at the moment? I know his mum's dead and all, but we've all been we're... through our own, our own fair share of dramas too before Sam showed up on the scene the other year. I guess that's... I guess... If I was David, I would agree with this, but I would think I would have put it a bit more diplomatically, but that's not David's bag, is it? Well, wouldn't, Dave... you, wouldn't you just assume, be like, oh, where are you going to take Lily then? Yeah, football camp. That's, that's what I was just thinking, football camp. Because that's her new thing at the moment, she apparently. She loves it. She loves football. And Audrey uh, loves football too, you can tell. David's ranting was also wrapped up in his moaning about um, not getting a fair share at Christmas 
time as well, wasn't it? My dad was moaning about that when? yesterday. Oh, yeah, because your dad's birthday is the 23rd of December. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, David was saying, He's oh. really, really gay. He, he hates it. He really does. <laughs> so, David, I can totally understand. But, David... but equally, David ruins Christmas every year for, for for everybody by making it about himself. Well, yeah, exactly. They're, they're just getting a map for Christmas 2006 when he invited Maureen uh, Webster around for Christmas lunch, isn't he? That's, this would be one of my greatest fears about having a child. What? They ruined some kind of exciting date by having Bet their birthday would. on it. Bet like, they would. imagine if I had a baby and it was on Halloween and it was born. I'd be like, oh, <laughs> ruin this now. <laughs> I can't have a party for the next eighteen years. I did. I thought that David's problem was more with the fact that for Christmas presents, Sarah Louise, who had a special princess castle or something, it cost two pound fifty more than whatever it oh, was he that knew, he got. Yeah. Which I thought was odd that he's he and Gail remembered the exact prices of these presents but again well a grudge is a grudge never mind it's a soap let's just um, imagine let's that that's all it. okay so um anyway let's just get over it shall we so audrey says fine whatever then the trip's off so after the meal oh, it's just like well fine then i'm not going to treat everybody equally i only like sam <laughs> that's basically what she's saying isn't it she's like i have no intention whatsoever of giving anybody else any of this money so fine no i, I don't know she well she she goes out can't the... she just have said something like oh i fully intend to treat everybody i thought that she did that's the problem oh well can't treat everyone all at once you can't also you also can't live your life like right okay so i took sam on a norwegian cruise and that cost 2854 pounds so i'll give you the four pounds because your trip is gonna be yeah <laughs> anyway she goes outside and Stephen's still trying to persuade her not to go ahead with this equity release thing because although she says the trip's off i can't remember she's like oh i'm still gonna I'm do still that gonna buy a load of scarves. she's she's just flip-flopping all over the place i find it very difficult oh, to keep Audrey up with what's is a flip-flopper. she's a massive flip-flopper she's a notorious flip-flopper she says she's gonna do what she wants with it yes yeah, do what you marches want marches back into the bistro and says actually i am gonna treat sam to a norwegian cruise sorry david but i don't care so Stephen and gabrielle later on have another secret and in inverted commas Ginnell meeting where he tells her what's going on with Audrey and she and she's like well you know I'm, I'm going off back to Milan soon Stephen thanks for the cash you can sort out this problem yourself now so Stephen's solution to this conundrum that he's found himself in is to offer to pay for the cruise himself so he's just going to bankrupt himself all over again didn't Gabrielle suggest this to you I can't her? remember did she I'm not sure so and he says hey mom. Mom, how about I pay for this cruise? It's my treat. That way you don't have to release the money from your house. I want to do something special for you. Audrey seems to like the sound of that and says, Cheers very much, Stephen. I will um, I will not do equity release on my house and you can pay for the trip. And then she decides over the course of the next episode to say, how much can I get out of my son here? I know, she's like, I guess where I'm going. Guess where we're going then. We're going on a trip to the moon to see the Northern Lights from there. How do you yeah. like that, Sam? Your Uncle, Uncle Stephen's paying for it. Um, well, he's loaded. Everyone knows this. He is. He's, he's mega rich, isn't he? So that's Stephen. Anyway, he says, also, well, I'm going to yeah. stay around here for a little bit longer now. I heard the moose died, so I'm not going back to Canada. Exactly. Friday's episode. So, yes, yeah, Sam has decided... Well, Sam, Gail and Audrey have all put their heads together and spent all of Stephen's money on a fantasy trip to Canada. <laughs> yeah, because they're like, going, trying oh. to say, well, we don't have to pay for accommodation there because, Stephen, we'll you've got house. loads of houses. Well, so... I, also, I also like the way that she used the word properties. Like, yeah. It makes it sound even more... 
um, high end, isesn't it? Like he's he's so posh. He doesn't have he doesn't have a holiday home. He's got multiple properties. Yes, he has residences abroad. <laughs> um, and uh, and Stephen's like, hmm, I uh, I don't I don't know whether I like the sound of that. So he's trying to dissuade Audrey from taking <laughs> Santa to Canada, and he's like surely Norway would be better and Norway is so much a nicer country and it's it's so much warmer there as well and Gail says oh yeah but Stephen Sam's got his heart set on Canada now though so we really can't take this away from him you know his mum's died and all that so Stephen then spins this yarn about a child around Sam's age that was apparently found dead in the Canadian Northwest Territories that one time looking at the like, the Northern Lights like, he's probably looking at the Northern Lights when he was doing it and of course Gail who's only got two brain cells immediately falls for this obviously fake story and she's like oh my gosh that's terrible, Sam. You can't go to the Canada. I didn't know anymore. people died in Canada. Had no I thought idea it was impossible. about that. Yes. So later, Stephen's having a sneaky moan to Gabrielle about everything that's going on. And he's like, you know, I can't really afford, afford Norway, let alone Canada. And Gabrielle says, well, why don't you just try and get the trip cancelled completely? Why don't you like lose Audrey's passport? I thought it was Gabrielle. I'd just be like, solve your own problems, Buster. I don't give a crap about your stupid dilemma. You're stupid, can't you? You literally can't think of how to get out of offering to pay somebody to go on holiday. Just say, I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah. I'm bored of this. I'm going. I'm it going back to Milan. It doesn't bode well for this He's future um, master mastermind criminal, does it? How you can can't I stop solve my these mom simple, from going to Canada? Problems. Oh, my God. So, um, the, 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 they, they, he goes round to... Um, to the salon, doesn't he, for a little bit? And he looks like he's going to take his pass, her passport, but but she doesn't because she's there telling him how grateful she is for him funding their trip and everything. And she's like, "Oh yeah, it's going to be lovely. Sam's going to remember it. It's going to be the trip of a lifetime. It warms the cockles of me heart." And so Stephen like, kind of slopes oh, off without the passport. Um, then there's a little scene. Is this the storyline? Yeah, it must be. Hope and Sam are talking about these Harvey letters again, and. Um, Sam's worried that Harvey is going to write back to him while he's in holiday, on holiday in Canada or, oh, hang on. or wherever they're on vacation. Going. Yes, and he's like, "Oh, yeah. should I tell Nick and Leanne about the fact that I'm writing to Harvey?" Which is weird because he was like dead against it, telling them anything last week and making sure he kept it quiet. But she's like, "No, no, no, don't do that. Adults just get mad when they find out that you've had secrets with them." My mate, Mad Dog, who by the way hasn't spoken to me in ages by now said that I really mustn't tell Fizz and Tyrone that I'm writing to, to him. Um, so I don't think you should tell your secrets to your dad and Leanne either, actually. At the end of the episode, towards the end, Stephen meets up with Gabrielle one more time, again, and says, I couldn't bring myself to steal my mom's passport, sorry. And she's like, don't, don't care, know what you're got me. my money, I'm going, your problem. Yeah. So end of the episode, the Platts wave off Gabrielle, and she breathes a sigh of relief to be out of this madhouse. Ow. What? I mean, not, she just scratched me. Abby scratched me. Um, I just wonder whether um, it might be a good idea for Stephen to just kill Gabrielle and take the money back. Um, yeah, but it's too late, isn't it? I mean, he saw how easy it was to kill Leo. Mm. Also how easy it. it was to transfer £200,000 from one bank account to another just Simple. with a few taps on your phone. So all, she need, all he needs to do is get her phone crack the code somehow to get into it, which is probably very well, easy, and then take it right back to her. Now we've established that Gabrielle can do Audrey's voice, maybe he can get Audrey to do Gabrielle's voice and phone the bank up. 
yeah. and pretend to be her. I, in a way, I'm glad that Gabrielle's going because I, I have quite enjoyed her in the show and everything. But I have got also very fed up with all these scenes of her and Stephen meeting up secretly together. It seems like every other every other scene in this story is just them meeting up in some not-so-secret location for him to update her on what's been going on, but we, the audience, already know about it, you know? Um, yeah. But I, I, I am, honestly, I'm very, very surprised that he's not bumped her off. She, He might do still. I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced she's uh, going to make it out of this story alive. I think, I think that maybe the story's on ice for a little bit and she's going to come back at some point in the future and then he's going to finish her off then maybe. Maybe she'll come back at Christmas because yeah. she's lonely and she's got all this money. Yeah. And she wants to buy everyone a present. <laughs> um, how, how have you been enjoying this story this week? <laughs> um, I love the audacity of, um, of Audrey like just planning a trip to Canada and expecting it to pay. Uh, well, no, he, he offered to pay, didn't he? Yeah, but so what? He didn't offer to pay to go... He said, I'll, I'll pay for you to go to Norway. Oh. He didn't say, I'll pay for you to go anywhere in the world and watch the Northern Lights from there, did he? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I kind of enjoyed that. I, I just... I'm getting what... Well, I, I'm still enjoying this story. I'm saying I'm enjoying this story. I think I am, but I'm also seeing a lot of hatred for it online. Uh, it, it doesn't appear to be going down well with lots of people. You can't judge people's reactions. And I don't, I don't know whether I'm actually enjoying it. it or whether I'm just you know, telling myself I'm enjoying it because I like this type of story generally. I think that... I don't, I, I'm not convinced about whether Stephen is that effective a villain because, you know, you, there's hapless and there's... You know, this is this is a level below, isn't it? He's just... He's utterly... He's useless... I, I, I want a villain that I can really get behind and I want him to be properly sneaky and um, and nefarious and, and terrifying and, you know, and, and scary and, and nobody's safe. But I'm not getting that feeling. He's just coming across as a bit desperate and pathetic. Yeah. So uh, I, I want them to up the stakes somehow. I thought it was great when he actually killed Leo. It's just been meandering a little bit since then. Um, and and I and I want I want somebody to pick up on the fact that he's being really obviously shady. But I don't know. I guess that all the plats are um, a bit too dense for it. Don't don't you think that he's just he's being too obvious about it, hanging around the pub for no particular reason and and all they that. They do that. I guess they do. Um. I I so I'm just I'm I'm. I'm so-so on this story at the moment, but it clearly is going to ramp up, so maybe that's another reason why I'm holding on hope for it, I suppose. Do you, do you want to add anything to this one? No. Shaking the head nose, fine. On to Osborne House then, Gemma. What have Daniel and Daisy been up to this week? What larks? Oh, dear. I feel Go like I can just summarise this by going, they want to move in together, and but they get confused and try to move into each other's houses. Yeah, that's the TLDR uh, version bit, of, of this storyline. But Paul fixes the bathroom door on Monday and now he's like, great, now Daisy can move in. And Daisy's like, I don't really want to move in because of all this Sinead nonsense all over the place. Let's <laughs> get rid of it. And he's like, no, it's fine the way it is. 
Um, it is like I, I I do I do think that the decor of the flat is very very Sinead-y and not Danielly, isn't it? And and there's yeah. there's things like you know the clay handprints and everything there, but it it, it is all a bit hippy dippy. It's that, not the sort of place that Daisy would live in. No, and, and I I don't think Daniel. I get that he. He's obviously very defensive because we find out why later. But if I was if I was Daisy, this would be alarm bells. Like he's he won't let you decorate the house at all. Yeah. Because he does he wants to preserve the his wife. He's been a little bit controlling here. There's yeah. got to be a bit of give and take here, Daniel. But anyway, it turns out. But, but also, this week isn't necessarily the the best week to have that conversation well, that's with exactly him about what it. I'm is about it? to say. Yeah. Daniel. Um, it's he's upset, says Adam to Daisy, because it is the anniversary of Sinead's death this week. So she realises that that's why he was... Got it playing on his mind. Adam goes to visit Daniel at the flat and says, Daisy can't be expected to be uh, tiptoeing around this if you don't even tell her that it was the anniversary. And you are good. You and Daisy are good together, so you better not mess it up. So Daniel goes to the pub, tells Daisy he loves her and that she's the one he wants to live his life with and I, I will agree to move out of the flat with you. <laughs> I, I would have thought that Daniel was the sort that he would make it like patently obvious that this is Sinead's death anniversary. You know, he, he can't stop banging on about her and I would have thought that, you know, he'd have been talking to Bertie about it maybe. I'm surprised that she hasn't prepared a video that they can all watch. <laughs> yeah. If you're watching this, it's because I've died. <laughs> Wednesday, uh, Daisy awkwardly brings flowers for Daniel for this anniversary. Sweet. And he's very grateful and he tells, um, he says, uh, he, he, what he tells they he, have yeah, for he, the day. Yeah, they're going to visit the grave. He goes stuff. off somewhere and then Bertie says, Thank you, mommy, to Daisy. And she's like, Ugh. Oh dear. Daniel takes Bertie to Victoria Gardens because that was that was Sinead's favourite place. She was always sitting in That's where they Victoria had their, their pagan wedding, isn't it, in Victoria Gardens. Very special location. They get joined by Beth and he says, he'll never forget Sinead. You've written, he'll forget Sinead. Thank you. <laughs> he, she smiles and says, you better not because um, I'll cut you. And then, <laughs> I'd believe it with that as well. And then she takes Bertie off. Um, if they if they keep doing this to this poor kid, he's gonna think his mum's death death anniversary is his birthday or something. <laughs> Daisy is panicking about the fact that Bertie called her mummy with with Jenny. Um, and then Daniel comes into the pub, and then he talks about the fact he doesn't want Bertie to forget about Sinead. And Daisy looks very uncomfortable. They all go back to the flat, and then Bertie calls Daisy mummy again, and then. Um, Beth this is time not... it's Beth and Daniel are there. Yeah, though, so Beth is there. And she's, she's really upset about that. And then Daisy's like, "Yeah, this is this has happened more than once." And that that turns out to be a big thing as well. And Beth's like, "Oh, how convenient! How convenient! On the death on the anniversary of his mum's death, he's got a new one." And then Beth says to Daisy, "You'll never be Bertie's mum." And sometimes I think I'm the only one around here who even misses Sinead. And then Daniel says, "I miss her." I went to see her see her grave. Beth doesn't care. She stomps off. Then when he's alone with Daisy, Daniel says, I don't really care whether Bertie calls you mum. Um, what I want to make sure though is that you don't get, you don't uh, take on too much here and become a mum before you're ready. And so he says, um, 
he's fine with it. Yeah. And she's like, well, I think this might be a bad idea for us to move in together. I think I need some space. So then she goes back to see Jenny again. And Jenny tells her about the first time that Daisy called her mummy. And she reckons it will all be fine. And that you'll, like, it'll be fine. Basically, just shut up. It's going to be fine. Later on, Daniel is having a chat with Beth in the flat. And she's getting really upset. And he's explaining himself. And Daisy comes back in. And Beth actually apologises for getting mad at her and leaves. And then Daisy apologises to Daniel and says, I, I'm committed to you, and I can't wait to move in with you, and then they kiss. So they decide uh, to move in with each other. But where? Good question. On Friday, Daisy's packing her stuff at the Rovers so she can move out. And um, at the at Daniel's house, Daniel's packing him stuff so he can move out. So she's got the idea that they're going to move into Denise's house, or Daniel's house. Uh, yeah, the, Daniel's the house that's that recently Denise, that been his be- mum vacated. Left him. Yeah, and, and Daniel thinks, seems to think he's moving into the Rovers. He thinks he's moving into a room at the Rovers. And somebody on Twitter told me that it, it doesn't really matter because there they can be as many, um, it can be as big or as small as they want it to be, which is absolutely <laughs> true. But equally. I don't think there's ever been an implication that Daisy has a, su- a suite of rooms. No. <laughs> and they're literally packing up. And, and there is a lot of stuff in Daniel and Daisy's flat, isn't there? As we've just said. Daniel and, and Daisy's flat. Yeah, and, and he thinks that he's Who's just going to move that into, into one room at the Rovers. Odd. Well, also, he's walking down the road in, at one point and he's got like a box of stuff. And she's like, oh, you're decluttering. And he's like, no, this is all my things. And I was thinking, you are a parent though, Daniel. Do you think that Paul's going to look after Bertie now or something? <laughs> does, does he think that he's leaving Bertie in the flat? Yeah. Why did he think he could move his child and himself and his girlfriend into a single room in a, in a pub? Anyway, I don't know. Don't, don't think about it. Don't think about it. Glenda, meanwhile, hears that Daisy room, Daisy's room at the pub is getting spare and she wants to live there so that she can tell her landlord to shove his cockroaches up his bum. <laughs> Tracy moans to Daniel about the fact that he they've been asked to babysit Bertie and it turns out, yeah, this is when we find out that Daniel, we think, Daniel thinks he's moving into the Rovers. Um, it's, he cleared all this stuff out, out of the flat and Dee Dee is going to move in um, with Paul and they are both very excited and start dancing about. <laughs> and then eventually the pair of them on in the street... Daisy and Daniel meet up with their all, all their boxes. Yeah, going, they just kind of bump into oh each other. No. That's like number one, don't We've they? made a kerfuffle. Um, then they are arguing on the doorstep of number one, and Tracy's listening. He thinks it's hilarious, and Daisy says, "Look, why can't we move into this house? I don't understand. If you're not, if it's not being rented out, why why can't we move there?" And Daniel says, "Oh, this is awkward. Don't tell Max." But I've uh, lent it out to some refugees. <laughs> God, Max will read the problem out Max about will that. Get really mad. He's gonna. He don't know where this house is, but he's gonna find out. Maybe, maybe Daisy and uh, and Max can start an anti-refugee stealing our jobs and our houses yeah. club. So Griff would love that. Meanwhile, Daniel, hang on, hang on. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he's the insinuation is that they. Did you get the insinuation that they might be Ukrainian? I don't know why I thought that. I don't know. I think they it's didn't only, say. They didn't say. I think it might be because when this first happened, when the war first broke out, everyone was saying they were going to have Ukrainian refugees and the government was going to give us money and everything and everyone thought it was a brilliant idea and then I haven't heard anybody doing it. 
No. So he's like, well, we can't move there now. Sorry about that. And Ken's come out of his house at this point. They're arguing right outside the front door. He's like, why not stay here? And then Tracy, who thought this was really funny, suddenly doesn't find it funny anymore. But she does realise that they could charge them money. Then they could afford to get the roof fixed. I'm surprised they don't have one of those like church fund thermometers outside saying <laughs> yeah. this is how much money we need to fix this bloody roof. If you guys don't like to see the scaffolding, guess what? Put, put a pound coin in, in the slot. It's just ridiculous, this roofing story, honestly. Because, I mean, um, Steve McDonald is not in the show at the moment. And th- th- this week they said, oh, he's gone to see Andy, didn't they? So there's, there's something going on and it just feels like this roof storyline has had to be put on ice for a little bit. But it's... How long has it been, that scaffolding there? It's been a good six months, hasn't it? It's so... And, and I can't even remember what the latest was with why the scaffolders haven't taken the scaffolding down. Because there was something they like that, wasn't need there? It didn't Steve back, pay for it for an extra month or so? I don't know. It feels like they're really, really convinced that whatever the payoff for this scaffolding storyline is going to be... It's definitely worth waiting for months and months because honestly, if when they... you just cut your losses at this point and go, <laughs> and say, oh, they fixed the they roof. They fixed the Move roof on. now. Don't talk to me about it. Someone anymore. better be falling off that scaffolding. It's got, it's got to be something really major. For, for... It really, really has. That it's yeah. It's bizarre, <laughs> and it must be something specifically due to do with the character of Steve because why can't Ken just say, oh yeah, Steve's gone to to Spain to see Andy, so I just fixed it. Yeah, it's actually really easy. <laughs> Turns out you just hammer. Just hammer the, the tiles on. It's yeah. not rocket science. <laughs> so, where are we? Right. Uh, Daisy is desperately trying to get her room back in the Rovers, but Glenda is just in love with it and she's so excited and nobody can bring themselves to ask her to to move out again before she's even moved in. Meanwhile, Daniel goes back to the, the flat to tell Dee Dee she's got to get out and he, he wants to come back there and she's like, oh... That's no problem. Just give me my money back then. And he's like, oh, I kind of already spent it on shoes and a balance bike. But I will get it back to you, but I need a bit more time. And uh, then he's... And then... I don't get why the money's gone to Daniel anyway, because he doesn't own the flat, does he? He's not the landlord there. Surely I get the, like I got devs. the I got the impression that there was some kind of transferring of... I don't know. It's a, just, just accept it. Just mm. accept it. So he's then he changes his mind again and says, I'll, I will actually move in. I think he was saying he was going to save money by moving in with, with Ken because he wants to move in somewhere else. Anything, I don't really know. But anyway, he changes his mind. And then um, they all end up, Daisy, Ken, Tracy and Daniel having lunch, which looked like it was just a variety of boiled vegetables. Little sprouts and carrots on a plate or something, wasn't it? Yeah. No wonder Daisy um, looked a bit miffed as she was sitting there. I mean, we make fun of Toya for her vegetable lasagnas, but Ken takes a biscuit. Stuffed <laughs> marrow or broccoli. <laughs> um, so she, so Daisy's sitting there and they're all, they've all, they're all having lunch together or whatever, whether it's dinner, I don't know. She's texting Jenny saying, Help come and me. rescue me. And then she gets annoyed even more when it turns out that Tracy's going to be charging her mm-hmm. for everything she used. I don't see what she's why Daisy does not have a leg to stand on here to get mad that Tracy's charging her money to live in her house. No, I know it's. I mean, if it was, I can't remember. I can't remember who owns it at the moment, but I know it's like it is moving in with your family. But there are two grown adults. It's only fair that they should be paying rent, isn't it? Yeah, 
Especially considering it's not like Tracy's like, oh, I can't wait to spend all your money on shoes. She needs to fix the bloody roof. It's going to cost 10 grand or whatever it is. And they don't have the money. So she does need it. She does need them to pay. I mean, I suppose if I was Daisy, I'd be thinking, why am I having to pay this? I'm not even happy living here. We've, there's a perfectly good house wherever that we could be living in. So maybe she's not mad at Tracy. It's more that she's mad at Daniel for getting her living in this house when... Well, I mean, and, Daniel's... And they're throwing money down the drain, basically. Daniel's got money troubles, hasn't he? Because he can't afford to pay... DD back and he said he's in his overdraft yeah because he doesn't have a job so it's not like he could really help Daisy to finance finding a different flat but at the same time this is the sort of thing you organise before you decide you're going to move in with each other <laughs> like how am I going to pay it was rent? it was a classic kind of um, two crossed wires sort of story today wasn't it which is kind of funny but I think that really they probably wouldn't that wouldn't have happened they probably would have talked about it before packing up it feels like the whole thing was just written number one to get them all living at number one because that is funny Mm. and number two just for the funny visual of two people bumping into each other with boxes in their arms going where are you going yeah i know but i i think at the end of the day it's worth it because like you said the prospect of daniel it's actually it's just the prospect of daisy and tracy living together that i'm living for at the moment and we got a a sneak preview of what that was going to look like over dinner today and tracy has been um fairly absent in recent months or even years I would say in Coronation Street yes, and, and also and when she has been in it she's not been on full bitch mode has she she's uh, mellowed somewhat over the years but I think that having these two vixens living underneath the same roof together that is that has got plenty of um, comedic potential and uh, they're just going to be both trying to out bitch each other hopefully don't you think if if there isn't a bit where Daisy's unpacking and Tracy's there and she says something like, "Well, oh, that's a nice statue," I'm gonna get mad. <laughs> Why? I need to. I need a little sly dig where Tracy insinuates that she might murder Daisy if <laughs> she annoys her too much. I just think they need to like they can have com- competing for who gets the bathroom and. Um, oh, there'll be. There's always whenever a group of adults makeup. share somewhere. In, in a soap, there's always a bit where somebody's in the toilet for an inordinate amount of time. Mm. And and the way, the, the, the number of people that live here at the moment, I'm not surprised. I mean, I think Ken's going to have to think about reopening the outside Kazi in the yard, isn't he? Because <laughs> yeah. now living at number one, we have Ken, Steve when he's back from Spain, Tracy, Daniel, Daisy, Bertie, Amy and Jacob. That's, that's a, an awful sense. lot of people living in this house that really, it's it probably built to hold maybe three or four. Okay, there literally cannot be that many. I know it's, we all know it's obvious, but the front, the front room is a bedroom and then you've got the living room slash dining room and then the kitchen. Yeah. So there can only be three or four rooms upstairs, one of which is a bathroom. Mm. I mean, in, in the past we've had like Ken, Deirdre and Blanche living there. With, like, I, I can't think that there's... It, 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 I can't get my head around the maths. Never bother. Really. Never try to work this out. Ge- geography and Weatherfield is very different. <laughs> it's like um, House of Leaves. Yeah. So I. But anyway, I, I don't care because, like no. I said, Tracy and Daisy together would be brilliant. I, I adore Daisy, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And um, I just think it's great that she's she's there in the middle of the Barlows. This character who was 
literally made up out of nothing a couple of a couple of years ago. She was brought in as apparently the stepdaughter that Jenny had never had, and now she's been thrown in with this big yeah. Barlow dynasty. Good, isn't it? So uh, it really shows, I think, that they think very highly of Charlie Jordan that they can just you know get her in there with with the big guns really. Um, so loving it. Um, the this this stuff with Bertie this week with the um, I think it was probably fairly inevitable mummy calling, wasn't it? I mean, I think that, um, you know, it's it's no surprise because this is Beth we're talking about, but she was a little on the harsh side for being really mad at Daisy for Bertie calling her mum. Uh, but Beth is, um, you know, the epitome of unreasonable snarkiness, isn't she? It but would really hurt, though, to be Beth and to see... It would. Da- Daniel just cozying up with this girl and then... Yeah, but it, it was bound to happen. Uh, Daniel's clearly not been showing Bertie the videos as much as uh, as much as much he should have done. He's just going to have it constantly streaming in the background now or something. But um, I just think it's it's sad, obviously, but if, if this couple has got any kind of future, and we are talking about a Coronation Street couple here, so they're probably going to be split up within the year, but if the idea is that they're going to stay together forever, Bertie is inevitably going to be growing up thinking of Daisy as his mum, isn't he? Because she's, she's the only mum he's ever known, and this is what Sinead was worried about when she was on her deathbed. She was like... Bertie is never going to remember me. I'm just going to be this this character and like a fairy tale. She predicted this. She basically sacrificed her life so that he, he could be born. Yeah. Because she delayed treatment for her cancer, didn't yeah. she? Yeah. Um, so I, so I, I just feel bad for everybody around. I feel really bad for Daisy because she didn't ask for any of this. Um, I think Daisy could be a good mum. I think she's got... Although she's not maybe... She's not a natural mother. She does like kids. I don't know of how many scenes I've actually seen with Daisy being mummy-ish to to Bertie. I don't get it. It's not like we've seen loads and loads of scenes of them walking about like happy families and her going, here's your blankie, Bertie. Well, we've not seen very much of these two as a couple full stop, have we? No. I've kind of gone a bit hazy because like they were together last year and then they split up and then he was going out with Lydia for a bit and then Nikki came back on the scene. So I think it's maybe only been six months or so that they've been a couple. But yeah, we've not seen a whole lot of that early bonding stage of them as a family um but you know i i think that daniel and daisy are a really great match and i'm again surprised i uh, this time last year i wouldn't have said that like they were completely chalk and cheese weren't they but um i i, I would like to think that they've got a a future together so yeah what do you Suck think it up beth yeah move on <laughs> what do you think about Glenda living at the Rovers? Well, it's it's good. I mean, th- this th- these two moving out of the flat is very convenient for Glenda and Dee Dee's character. Both they're the two new characters for this year, aren't they? And they just kind of were launched into the program with nowhere to stay, so they've just been swallowed up by their respective families. But really, they it doesn't make any sense for them to be staying. What do you think? where they have been for the last few months. So, yeah, Glenda at the Rovers, fine, makes sense. Glad that they're deciding to keep her on as a full-time barmaid. Dee Dee. What do you think about yeah. Dee Dee moving in with Paul? That's a bit weird, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, 
they seemed to be having a nice little bop together, didn't they? With the Alexa on. But I think once the music fades, are they going to have much in common? No. Uh, not sure. No. Although she, I mean, Paul's just, he's, he's a bloody misery girl, isn't he, most of the time? So if he well, can bring might... a bit of light to his life, then um, You might maybe. end up seeing more, more of Paul because of this. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, before this week, who remembered that Paul even lived with... Daniel. That's been, that has been the problem through all of this. Like every now and then, every few months, they'll drop in a line to remind us that Paul lives there. But he and Daniel, I've not, I wouldn't say, have formed any kind of, you know, flatmaterly no, kind of bonds. Have because they? Daniel thinks he's way better than than Paul, and Paul's just a scummy little thicko. Yeah, that's that's what I reckon. I would hate to live with Daniel. Mm. I think that. I'd like to think that Paul has got the potential to be a kind of fun character, and we've seen well, I think he we've can seen be. snippets of this. I mean, he's got a silly unicorn onesie, and we no, remember he, he did that give it up. when he did that. Um, Let's get ready to rumble dance with Gemma. Um, but his problem has been he's been tied up with all the misery revolving the parent in a summer. So if so maybe maybe he and Didi well, could he's... make an interesting pairing. Well, he's been caught up with two Wallstrom, uh, whirlpools of uh, misery because he's also been embroiled with Gemma and the Cods and Chesney. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe, maybe they're just going to tuck him there into the flat and we'll never see either of them because we don't need to know what's going on with their lives. Do I don't think... particularly care what Paul does in his private life. And, and Dee Dee, I like her, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm just assuming that she's going to get the replacement Imran job at some point soon yep. and we'll get to see her doing that. Do you think that they're going to give that flat a makeover? Probably. It was really weird tonight, wasn't it, seeing it all stripped down so much because it is so packed and full with uh, with various Sinead paraphernalia tat, exactly. Seeing all the walls cleared, yeah, may, maybe this this is where Argos needs to sweep in That's next what I was <laughs> to, to, to furnish it with all its um, amazing deals. Of doing weird adverts where they take everything out of Sally's house and put other things in it, and then take everything that they put in out, and then return the furniture, and make poor Sally Devener say, "Oh, I love this sofa." I love this yellow sofa. Maybe they can actually do it. In, Maybe in they Paul can just do it, and they can place. have uh, Paul and Dee Dee going. Yes, we think this this sofa that Sally had is great here. Thank mm. you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, I think shove them in there. Let's have more drama going on at number one because I think the, mm. it, it, the there's been a strange lack of, of Barlow-ness in recent times in Coronation Street. Having all of those together under the same roof, like Stephen and Tracy and, and Jacob and Amy, they've been noticeably absent in 2022. So hopefully this is going to bring them back into the forefront um, for, for the remainder of the year. Never mind fitting into all the rooms of the house, like his bedrooms and things. They can barely fit everybody in the front room now all together, can't they? <laughs> I know. It's a good job that, um, how do they eat dinner when the four of them were around that table with their sprouts today? There, there weren't any room for any other seats there, no. were there? Do you think they have to have like shifts. sittings and shifts for dinner? <laughs> it's like the dinner bell's gone off. For They'd the be like, Bagsy Nut, I'm in dinner with Ken today. Come on, a steak tonight, please. Anyway, let's get on with the next story. I thought that this is quite... This is an unusual turn this week, wasn't it? Because up until this point, we're talking about Spider-Man, spine gigs. We thought that this was all going to be about environmentalism. And it's kind of taken a bit of a different turn, hasn't it? 
um, to being another racism storyline, which Coronation Street has, has tinkered with a little bit in the past. They seem to be taking it down a bit of a different route this time. Um, and it's involving Spider and Toya and Peter and Griff. Um, let's 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 see what happens and then we'll talk about what we thought it's going to do as we go so wednesday episode um we find spider and toya in the cafe and we found out where toya had been all this time hadn't we we've not seen her for like five six weeks or so it seems since the trial but it turns out she's been camping out in the body of max all this time yeah. <laughs> we, we, it was you that pointed this out when we were watching it on wednesday there's this scene where it was the one where Max is talking about um, not wanting to go to the bistro with Shona, and then he gets up off the table, walks towards the cafe door where that partition is, and then, so smoothly, he, it, it, Toya pops out the other side. And it, and it literally meant like he turned into, he turned into Toya. And um, so that's, that's where she's been, if anyone's wondering. She's been secretly Max, and I, have we ever seen them together in the same scene before? I would say no. Is is Max actually Toya's secret identity? I'm gonna say yes. We have to wait and say, look out for everybody. Right. So anyway, Toya's come to the cafe because still no job. Um, as far as she knows, Spider's got no job. So what better thing to do than go to the cafe in the morning, where they meet up with Peter and Griff, who summon them all together. Now he wants to take them to a gig with this new up and coming band playing. That's definitely not Wet Leg. Sorry, Shona. Um, I I kind of I kind of missed how much that he was telling them he knew about it because he was like oh it was some bands that are was he being purposefully mysterious? I don't. I thought he was, and you didn't. I thought that no, you thought he did. He didn't know either. I thought that he didn't know where it was, and you thought he did. Yeah. But anyway, we we well, were... he knows it's a racist band because he wasn't surprised. So it must, unless there's loads of racist bands, <laughs> and it could be any of them. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, was, I thought there was more than one band anyway, because I'm sure he said that there was an up and coming band, and then somebody else was opening for him. Maybe, maybe. Anyway, he wants them to go with this gig. He's like, I, I know where we want to go. I'm not, not telling you any more about it. Um, Spider, I think he's not so sure about it. Um, he, he doesn't, he, he's been kind of um, nervous about all things revolving around Griff recently because he's been investigating him as a police detective and he thinks that this isn't a great idea to go to. And he definitely, definitely doesn't want Toya to go along to this to expose them to the potentially nasty racists that are going to be singing some naughty songs there. So um, he's like, oh, no, not sure about this. Um, oh, also, Gemma, Spider and Toya, wedding ring, no wedding ring. What's going on there? She took it off. She flipping took it off. Can you believe it? No. She's... I, 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 I don't like that at all. What's going on there? Anyway, she's, she says she's always going to love Imran. Time to move on. I'm not ready to move on, Toya. I've still got my, my Imran wedding ring on or whatever in my heart. Can't believe you've moved on so quickly. Um, they go they go to the pub. No, Spider goes to the pub. Says, sorry, sorry, Griff. I can't go to the gig tomorrow. It's not really my, my cup of tea. Sorry about that. Griff, fairly miffed about this. Um, but it, we, we find out that Spider doesn't have much choice about this whole gigging thing because he's on the phone later on 
I'm kind of lost count now how many times we've had little scenes of Spider loitering places, being on the phone to people that he probably shouldn't be overheard talking to. But he's there with his boss telling um, them that I can't, what was it? he was saying that he can't go to this gig tomorrow, but the guy was saying, no, no, you really need to. So I guess at this point, Spider does know that it is going to be something that's potentially related to the case, but he doesn't want to do it. Because Toy is knocked that she's seemingly being dumped in favour of him going to this gig, isn't she? I she's think. annoyed that she's being put off of going. Yeah. she She's saying, oh, look, we never get to spend any time together, but... I don't get how that works because, as I say, she's literally got no job. I don't know what she thinks that he's doing, bumming around. Don't they have loads of time together? We just don't get to see anyone on the screen? I don't know, but anyway. she he, He's like... No, Maybe I don't... he forces her to do a podcast. So it feels like they're together all the time, but they're not. Because oh. they're just doing a podcast every day. Every Harsh, day. Gemma. That, that cuts me deep. She says, look... You, uh, uh, you, whatever so he, he's going to go to this gig his boss wants him to go to this gig so he goes back to uh, Griff and Peter and says oh yeah okay I will actually go then and Toya says oh maybe I'll come too if we're going to go along and Spider's like um no I just want it to be a lads night out at, at, the, at the pub or wherever it is for this gig at the club and she's yeah she's fairly put out by this so um He's he's there talking with Griff, I think, at the end of the episode. Carla does a bit of a drive-by sniping, going, oh, I hate you, Griff, you're such a horrible piece of work. Peter, why'd you hang out with him? Peter says, oh, he's just my mate, Carla. They're going to a gig, but I'm definitely not going. And this is where his lies start to spiral out of control, because on Friday, um, we start off with another scene reminding the audience that Carla doesn't know that Peter's going to this gig. Um, and then Griff... There's another scene later in Victoria Street where Griff and Peter are kind of having... Well, Peter's having a go at David, isn't he? And it seemed fairly unprovoked from Peter, just having a bit of a snipe at David about Max kicking off and... and Is that... Do they have a history, Peter and Max? Or, or David? Or is there any particular reason why Peter would be I doing... I can't. Why. I can't remember. But anyway, the, the, that kind of leads... Peter to inform Griff, oh yeah, um, that's David. His son Max goes to the Prue. He's trying to get back into Weathy High, but he can't because he's got a refugee that's taken his place. And Griff, who we later find out is to be probably not the biggest fan of refugees, goes, hmm, interesting. But that didn't go any further today. It's all about Spider and Peter at the gig. So they turn up there, very happy to see that they had some location filming. They didn't just... I, I was kind of thinking that maybe they'd have it at the community centre. <laughs> Can you remember? Like, they don't like going off to places to film these bits. They found some dodgy-looking wall to film up against somewhere in, in Salford area. But, um, yeah, I was expecting it to be at the community centre. Maybe Yasmin coming in halfway through with some tea and biscuits halfway through. But, no, they... No, they it's not racist enough. Not, no... What what would be the most racist biscuits? Oh, I, th I meant the community centre's not racist. Oh, the community centre isn't racist at all, so they can't have it there. They've got to have something with, I, like, graffiti on the outside. I don't and... think it's wise for us to speculate about what's the most racist biscuit. Probably not. Probably not good to go down that bar. They they get to this they get to this club, and so there's there's Griff and Peter and Spider, and then they meet up with the, with his with his mates. I can't remember what any of them are. Oh no. <laughs> 
<laughs> One of them is called Reese Bolton, isn't he? Yeah. Not Roos Bolton, Game of Thrones fans, but he's probably just as nasty. Yeah. Because Reese Bolton and his other compatriots, uh, his other compatriots, are um, Buff McDuff. Yeah, there, <laughs> there was this. There was one guy. Well, the guy that Peter eventually punches over is kind of built like a you know what house, and he, you you found him on Twitter, didn't you? Mm-hmm. He's um he was he's Buff McDuff. He he really is the the guy that Peter punches. If you look at his Twitter profile, it's just basically him with his shirt off, and he's got more muscles than I even he's got more muscles than I even knew existed he's he's really put time into that so the the idea that Peter could um knock him down with a punch and he's like twice the size of him he'd just be like back keeping on the Game of Thrones references it's like you know punching the mountain isn't it and but anyway um that that they were kind of expecting Peter so it, it seems that Griff has spun a bit of a yarn about quite how um anti-establishment yeah peter barlow is but i don't understand racism and anti-establishment doesn't seem to go to get this is why i'm a bit confused because peter has the establishment is very white (laughs) they are they really are i mean peter it, it kind of makes sense because the thorn story earlier this year was what put it into peter's head that you know not all people who work for big organizations like the nhs are lovely and since then he's had a few scenes with griff where he's been kind of engaging in these conversations about big farmer conspiracies well he's definitely got an us versus them mentality yeah he he does and i, I wouldn't but, say go on but well what does griff think us and them is yeah i know what griff's us and them is but i don't think that He's realised that Peter's is not the same. No, Peter hasn't shown any inclination towards um, supporting Griff's racist um, agenda up until this point. Peter hates people based on their class. Yes. And how much money they have, whereas Griff hates people based on what they look like. I think so. I mean, and it's so sh- such a shame because they're so close to being friends. They could be, couldn't they? Mm. So uh, yeah, just go. Uh, Not to combine ships their that cross in the night. Yeah, the thing is, they they go in to see that. Well, no, I'll come back to that. So they're they're all like, "Oh, is this the guy that you'd been bigging up as? You know, the messiah no, of racism." No, they were happy to see him. <laughs> well, they were glad to see him, but they thought he was like a little. One of them says, "Oh, he's shorter than I thought he would be," and he's like, "I I heard you punched a doctor once," and Peter was like, "Yeah." It makes it sound like they think doctors are just giant people. I don't know. Or I like know. really good at fighting. Because honestly. I don't want to disparage this profession, but I wouldn't say that on the whole I would ever expect them to be better at fighting than most people. I mean, I, I say doctor, but Mr. Thorne obviously was not a doctor. He was a mister, and he was probably... Uh, no, he's he quite a doctor. Ha- he's just a consultant. He's probably quite handy with a scalpel, isn't he? So I don't know whether I'd want to be getting into a fight with him if he was fully equipped. You've got to catch him by surprise. <laughs> How do you catch a, a doctor by surprise? Look just... over there, punch. <laughs> Anyway, they're like, hello, Peter, um, come to our lovely gig. Also, there'll be an, an, an open mic bit afterwards where, I don't know, maybe you want to try a bit of, of poetry or... Do a tight ten. A what? Do some stand-up. 
Yeah, maybe, maybe Peter Vitter stands up. Um, we we got Kirk on later doing his arsehole song, and we need to, <laughs> we need something to um to harden the mood a little bit after that. Peter's like, oh, I don't really fancy that, but let's go and see what this music why is all Griff, about. This is what confuses me. Why Griff? Why Griff thought I'll just surprise everybody with this racist concert because I'm sure they will love it, and also I'll surprise him with a public speaking engagement that he didn't know he was going to. Because he definitely seems like the sort of person who can just do an off-the-cuff speech. But I guess all, all, all soap characters can <laughs> yeah. do fairly like, poignant oh, off I'm the... I'm just going to do it from my heart. I prepared a speech about my, how racist I am, but I'm going to speak from the heart now <laughs> instead. I don't know. I don't know. This is what's still in my head thinking, like, does Griff know exactly... I'm not what? defending Griff here, but how much of the content of this gig did he know was going to happen? Well, normally, when things like this, you would feel out a bit more and drop a few kind of tests, wouldn't you? Before you just go to full-blown bloody, what's it, Nazi blooming, what was that big rally they had? Nuremberg. Yeah, before you invite someone to the Nuremberg rally, wouldn't you be like, hmm, what What do you just... What do you Fancy think of, flicking through mine camp first? What do you think of Hitler? Cool? <laughs> do you like his paintings? Should we, should we destroy them on channel? Oh yeah, um, should Jimmy Carr destroy Hitler's paintings? What do you think? <laughs> and then you see, if they're like, I think Hitler was a very accomplished man, then you got your in, haven't you? Mm. Then you start to say... Yeah, well, the, I think part of the because you know, they they go they go into the gig and Peter comes out later and is like bloody hell did you hear those lyrics they're so racist and Griff's like oh no they're just like sticking it to the man they're just anti-establishment the problem was although it was great that Coronation Street did some location filming to show the outside of the gig we didn't get to see inside it we didn't get to hear what the song was which they obviously couldn't and this is starting to get into the the dodgy area where how accurately can Coronation Street portray the the CD underworld of... Well, no, it's just how much in-depth will they go. Mm. Is that what you mean? Yeah, 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 because they, 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 they we're not going to hear anybody using mega-racist language on a pre-watershed primetime soap, are we? Are we going to hear any racist songs, do you think? No. Do you think somebody at ITV was given a job of, like, right, we've got to... You you've got to write a racist song, okay? Because we're we're having a racism storyline. Do you, could you do that? Yeah, your challenge is to write a racist song that can be broadcast before the nine o'clock um, watershed, and also won't offend anybody. Yeah, go. yeah. Go. Off you go. go. Who's who's going to do that one then? Jonathan Harvey, you're up. You got until half four. <laughs> so I don't know because this is a really important topic, and I'm I'm really fascinated to see where it goes, and it feels like it's. It's doing racism in a slightly different way than Coronation Street's done before, haven't they? Because usually, and they haven't always had the best track record of tackling racism on Coronation Street. Sometimes it feels a little bit like, look at us, here's our racist storyline for a few weeks, and now we'll put it to bed. But whenever they've done it before, it's always been, here are some black people on Coronation Street, or here is um, Dev, for example. You can say... You can say people of colour. Yeah. Because, I mean, and... We, we get to see their experiences. So we got to see James being wrongfully arrested last year. We got to see, you know, Grace getting detained in the supermarket. We got to see, um, well, on ITV3 at the moment, they're showing um, 
Dev having Barb comments made against him from Gina's, uh, his, his fiance at the time's parents. So it's all been about that kind of thing. And it, it feels like this storyline is, I don't know whether any, any people of colour are going to be affected directly by the characters that are involved, apart from... Oh, you mean on the show? On the on the show. Characters. Sorry, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like this is all about is Peter and Spider and Griff, and it's paths with anybody. Yeah, yeah. It, it, say anything horrible. Yeah, exactly. I don't know whether it's going to go down that route or not. Obviously, with with the fact that he had his head turned by Max a little bit, it looks like maybe I can't remember what he was called. The the refugee could be brought back into this. But yeah, I, I'm really interested that this is going down a slightly different route. So and it's very important, and Coronation Street needs to get it right, but it's going to be really, really challenging for everybody involved to get it right, not feeling tokenistic, not feeling preachy and everything within the constraints that are set for a half seven soap. One thing, it's not half seven anymore. Oh no, it's not. It's eight o'clock, isn't it? You're right. Oh, go for it. I'll go to town. One thing I'll say that they've done right early on is something that we always complained about um, recently, especially, like with the, the evil garage racist garage owners being horrible to Luke oh yeah them. and um the 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 guy who was horrible to Ed yeah racist to Ed um they just get introduced for like a few episodes and they're clearly the villains mm. and you're supposed to hate them and they oh and the policeman who pulled James oh, yeah, over yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they just sort of say something incredibly racist or do something incredibly overtly obviously sinister and, and racist mm. and then they go away and everyone's like yeah that's the villain that's the bad guy yeah whereas here you've got griff who's been in the show for quite a long time now really and now we're discovering and it's not i don't necessarily think he's ever been painted particularly sympathetically or you're not supposed to be like oh no griff's a racist but he was my favorite character mm. but they still have established him long enough for it to not feel like oh yeah here's a stupid throwaway character that is going to say something so that all the other characters can react to it without us having to sacrifice one of the main characters to yeah. saying something racist. So they've put they've put a lot of time and effort into establishing Griff before we get to this yeah. stage. He, he seems like a, a, a nice-ish guy. He has done up until now, but there has been some kind of suspicion around him because Spider, all this time, has not wanted Toya to get involved with him. And up, up until her trial, it was all because, look, you don't want to be getting involved in in the activism in the protests or anything along with Griff because it could be bad for your trial but clearly now we know what Griff's actually like Spider was perhaps protecting Toya from getting involved in a far right wing movement or whatever it is that, that Griff is, is in but you're right so and it's also it, it has been fairly well established but it's not like also so out of character that it's a Paul Kershaw moment where he does his play the white man and everyone's like what oh, why is he? That, that, that's not the sort of thing he would say. So I th- yeah, you're right. I think they've done a really good job. Yeah. Um, the other thing also is obviously I've been going on about where this story. I thought this story is going for a long time, and talking about act uh, activism and extremism in in that kind of world. But obviously, this is a completely different storyline, mm. and it feels like Griff. Griff's uh, environmentalism is it just feels really divorced and separate from this right wing world. I don't know how the two go together at all. And I also find it weird that Spider, knowing, because I I was very sympathetic to Spider coming in 
um, infiltrating this underground group to try to root out the very extreme people who are doing illegal things to bring disrepute to the movement as a whole. Mm. And it makes sense how things could spiral out of control um, that way. But I just can't... It just doesn't make sense to me that Spider's known all along that he was trying to infiltrate a group of white supremacists and still embroiled Toya even accidentally and brought her along. Even though he's been trying to dissuade her this whole time, it would have just been easier and would have made much more sense to her if never included her in the first place. The, the fact that Toya... The fact that Spider's... Uh, done this far gone this far with it because it's not like Griff had anything to do with anybody on Coronation Street no I, when Griff came in I can't remember it's Did all he just very baffling to, yeah and, and 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 how much does Griff care about the environment as well is that just an act or does well, like, he is he like really passionate about the environment and, and racism and racism I, I don't I know I want to save the planet but only for white yeah. people yeah I mean something interesting that you said earlier when we were off air um, you, you mentioned that guy who came to the uh, the factory, didn't you? Carlos. Yes, that, that businessman who they protested. So Griff was there and he was a provocateur. He was stirring up violence, wasn't he? Mm. And, and it looked like Spider was there because he knew that Griff would get violent at yeah. this protest. But actually, I wonder if Griff was there because this guy was, an, was Asian. Yeah. And he hated him because of that. And I wonder how much if we if we watch that scene again and we try to imagine a different motivation for Griff, how much of it fits into a racist narrative? You know, what was he actually mm. saying about this guy? Was yeah, was look, the things that he said did they initially sound like he was complaining about people that exploit the planet? But was he actually talking about a completely different group of people that yeah. he thought this guy represented because of the colour of his skin? Is he yeah? Is he really narked because a person of colour has is is this rich businessman? Yeah, or and, just and... exploiting the planet, or you know, he could still have an environmental reason for it. Yeah. But yeah, how much of it was was just being mm. racist? When we, well, when we went to um, racist HQ at the end of tonight's episode, I'm pretty sure that pinned up on their fridge were some environment kind of posters there. So I, th- I think, I mean, I'm, conflate, I'm conflating a lot of different things here. But I'm not that familiar with, like, what right-wing people are like in this country. I know the BNP and stuff, and it's, it's all to do with Brexit and that, refugees mm. and things. But I'm sure that there's a quite a strong anti-environmental streak amongst right-wing people in america is there well they call they they hate they like you know they hate tesla because it's electric and they reacted to it by doing this thing have you heard of rolling coal i have not where they modify their cars to blow black smoke everywhere to annoy people Mm. because they just hate the idea of doing anything at all to protect the planet and there's also like a lot of Christian fundamentalism about not having to take care of the planet because I'm I, I I'm very vague on the on the reasoning but there's definitely li- like right wing links to anti environmentalism and also like climate change denial as well which is, an, is another thing wrapped up in it. Well, maybe that's why Spider wants to take him down as well. Why? Well, because maybe he thinks maybe if Griff is secretly hates the planet. I don't know that Spider's Griff does be... secretly hate the planet. I don't I'm just, know. <laughs> I'm just, 
like traditionally and obviously this is stereotyping and I, I'm very ignorant about it I hold my hands up I don't really know that much about it but traditionally I would have thought that you would pair environmentalism with more left-wing politics yeah yeah that doesn't include white supremacy <laughs> no so i'm just i'm just i mean it's it's really lovely that that griff's overcome some of those <laughs> stereotypes i think it's really nice that coronation street are showing all the different sides of white supremacists <laughs> exactly exactly right so back to the synopsis after that little uh, um very big detail discussion so peter's at this gig still he goes Peter's at the gig going, are they going to, have they stopped talking about yeah. what's going to happen next? Because I'm still stuck here. He, I want my coat. He comes, yeah, he, he has to go and get his coat, doesn't he? And um, as, uh, I was confused. I don't really get the point of that. Like, what did they have him leave and then come back? I don't know. Did they stamp his hands on the way so that he could get back in? What did they, what did they stamp on it? One can only imagine. But yeah, he, but there's a bit where he's inside the hall and Pete, uh, not Peter, Spider is saying to, to Griff and the others, oh, don't worry about that, Peter. I think, honestly, the reason Peter went to get his coat is so that, so that there could be this conversation without him where Spider tries to talk to them yeah, about Peter. Yeah, maybe, because, yeah, Spider's saying, oh, he's just been hanging around with a bunch of snowflakes recently. Sorry, that must have must have rubbed off on him and that's why he's not too happy about the... Um, about the lyrics here, I, I, it's fine though. He's he's one of us, honestly though. Uh, I don't Griff, know why mate. Spider's making excuses because Griff's the one that invited him, I not know. <laughs> Spider. Um, and surely Spider's whole infiltration of this group does not hinge around Peter because he didn't even know Peter. No, and he'd never met him, had he? I don't. Well, he probably had met him, but. Or had he? It just kind of, I don't know, it just kind of makes things a little bit more complicated involving someone else who lives on the street as your girlfriend. To have, what? It, it's more, oh, <laughs> someone who lives on the same street as not living as your girlfriend. No, 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 no. It makes it more complicated for Spider to take Peter along because he's going to be telling Toya what they've been getting up to. But I don't well, know. that's what soap story line is like, isn't it? It is, it is, <laughs> yes. So anyway, Peter's kicking off still and Griff's like, oh, come on, it's just about smashing the state. Um, it's it's fine. It's 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 no no worries. Are you against freedom of speech or something? Spider's like everyone's got a right to their views. I didn't hear it. Spider, Spider says I didn't really hear it too bad. Peter says also I noticed there's some kind of fundraising thing going on in there. What's that all about? What what are you raising funds for exactly? Because it's probably not Ken Barlow's roof. And there's it's like, a oh, better well, sound system mind. because some people didn't hear the racism <laughs> probably. I think I might go and tell the police about this and of Griff's like you better bloody not. It all starts to take turn about nasty and this is he where is a snitch. Totally is. This is where this big guy comes and has a go at Peter and Peter pushes into the ground and uh Maybe I'm I'm really also confused about Peter's like How bad? How bad was it that Peter genuinely thinks that he should phone the police? He clearly thinks that this is a bit dodgy. Well, it's not just a bit dodgy. You don't just—it's just, like, hugely dodgy, and there's much... money changing hands and everything. Yeah, but surely you can. Yeah, what if he wasn't sure what the funds were being raised for? Mm. Why does he think he should go to the police about it? Is that part of the clues that we're supposed to pick up that? It was actually really, really awful. It because must... as it is, it just seems a bit like I'm telling police. You know, I'm telling me. And he doesn't offer. He doesn't then go and tell the police. Peter does he? doesn't so strike he me as the too... sort of person who like 
goes on Twitter and sees somebody being rude and like phones the police up. Peter's like, ah, oh, chill, let live, live and let live, man. I've got that LA attitude. Just yeah, do what you want. Do what you want. But no, <laughs> this is apparently uh, very, very bad. Anyway, he stalks off on the end, leaving their ass behind him and Spider's like, oh, wait, wait, up, hit you. Well, he pushed the guy over. Yeah, pushed, pushed the guy the over. The guy tried to smack him in the head with a brick. <laughs> these two, these two much slighter men are there holding this <laughs> massive beast of a man back somehow. Peter's like going, oh, why, I got to And Spider is like, calm down, mate. Let's, let's go back to Victoria Street. Let's, let's go. And it's, and he's like, sorry, guys, I'm going to go back with Peter now. So they're not particularly well, happy with Spider. Well, he says, I better go make sure he doesn't phone the police. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Sorry, I forgot. So they go back to Victoria Street. Where... And just to be clear, if you're, if you're not familiar with this, there, there are definitely situations in which the police would be involved in something because hate speech in this country is a yeah. crime. yeah. So I know in some different countries you could have a rally where you just said everything is black people's fault, so mm. I hate them. You you can't, you wouldn't no. be able to do that here. He's gonna go I'm and set. He's sure. gonna go and set Officer Craigie on them, and they're gonna be quaking what in would their Craig boots. Do? <laughs> oh my god! Can you imagine? Can you stop being I can just imagine Craig following the camera and Craig behind Craig's head, and he walks into this gig where there are these all yeah. these shaved headed. Um, people with swastikas tattooed onto their arms. He's big and Craig's just like um. <laughs> wets himself and then runs out. <laughs> and then and then Beth comes in and saying, what did you do to my Craigie? <laughs> He's terrified now. He's crying for his mom. I'll give you... Fools them out by their ear. <laughs> one by one. Beth will sort this. Don't worry, Peter. We don't need you. Right, so they go back to Victoria Street where Toya is and she's... Um, Peter tells her immediately, I'll just come back from this gig. We could be left early because they're a bunch of racists, this band. And she's like, what? Griff? Racist? I don't believe he's into that sort of thing because she kind of become mates with him. He was like her... Um, he was the one that got her back into protesting again, wasn't it? He so was her environmentalist mentor. Exactly. Envi- environmental mentor. Environmental. Yeah, environmental. <laughs> That's what he was to her. So she's like, uh, she also says, oh, by the way, Peter, sorry, I just told Carla in another scene that you were at the gig. Didn't realise it was but a secret. But they didn't show it, so I've got to no, tell they, you. They did show it. I just oh, didn't write it, any notes down. Michael didn't write it I down. I was really, I, I found it really difficult to, to follow this story. I think it was partly I was like, I was really interested with what was going on, but also very aware that I was having to type notes about it. And in the end, I didn't do a very good job of either of them for this story tonight. But anyway, sorry, Peter, I've told Carla. Spider, this is where he's, where she sends her, what was this music like, Spider? is like, I don't know, really. I couldn't really hear it. I was I was standing offside to a little bit. The speaking system was terrible, though. I, I don't really know. Just loud noise to me. I just think that the the guy, the support guy, this welfare officer guy, mm. who's helping Spider stay undercover, he must have, like, coached... They must have had, like, training. Like, here's how to be an undercover cop, blah, 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 blah. And, like, day one, it was like, if somebody accuses you... Of being a racist, just say you're deaf. <laughs> yeah. Do you think they? Yeah. Do you think they have like special courses for undercover cops and how to how to hoodwink your lie. wife or your your other half? Yeah. I don't know. Didn't hear it. I wasn't there, Toya. I don't really know. Perfect. That's right. Yeah. That's right. You get ten out of ten. I tell you what, though, I think that his boss. I reckon he's going to be a wrong one. You know why I know? Scouse. You mm. can't, that's racist. I, if you just look at all the Liverpudlians in Coronation Street's had over the years. Don't make me name any, but I'll say Don't Pat Phelan as number one. He's number, the enemy number one. I think that, mm. anyway, so 
they, 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 they bog off and, and then we join Peter and Carla in the factory and Peter's saying oh yeah sorry I didn't tell you about going to the gig Carla well he's very apologetic he is and he was saying well you were right about that griff though oh, there are a bunch of right wing racists what? <laughs> That's a bit of a tongue twister. Right wing racists, Carla. And she, she kind like, of forgives him. Well, she she didn't seem concerned at all. Yeah. But there's like a nest of racists that organise themselves and, and even have their own like anthems. I think she's just smug that she was right about Griff. I think Griff. she's right, yeah. <laughs> I think that is it. So. Wouldn't you be terrified and sick if, if you knew that there's a community of people yeah. near you who just like gathered together like a bunch of evil movie villains to s- literally sing songs mm. about how much they hate people based on the colour of their skin. I would. I, I would be a bit more worried about it than her. And she, she's like, well, listen, I don't care. Sell pants to anybody. Yeah, she's, uh, she'd be like, I'm a bit worried. You say they don't like black people. What about people whose clothes are always black? No, that's fine. That's fine. Oh, don't worry about it then. So they go off to the bistro because why not? Where we see Toya. <laughs> In the background. <laughs> She's got her phone with a little yellow earphones in going, what is this what I'm listening to? Yeah, I'm just going to go and talk to Carla and Peter She's about like this. She's like Googling how to delete music history. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's going to implicate her, isn't it? It's going to, you know, when they reopen the case as to whether she was responsible for Imran's murder and they find that yeah. maybe she's been listening to racist music. Well, this is the other thing. Don't let Sarah find this out. That Griff, I'm surprised that Griff thinks that Toya, he hasn't tried to recruit her yet, but he, he kind of was, he he was going to let her come to the yeah, concert. Yeah, with Toya. So, so does he know that she had a husband? I don't, I don't know. Who was Asian? I don't know, maybe. Because what did he think of that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, Wouldn't you be like this? I don't know. She did murder him, so. Fair. But I'm not sure. I'm pretty cool with that, yeah. <laughs> she he must have known what was going on because he was around when He's, the case was going when yeah. the, when the when the trial was going on he was he was like secretly rooting for her i don't know right so um toya goes up to peter and carla and says oh sounds like that gig was a bit of a washout then bad sound spider says he didn't really hear anything and peter's like no there's no way we heard every single word actually every single filthy racist word of it um, if Spider, well, I think it's Carla that says, if Spider's saying he didn't hear anything, then maybe he's trying to make you, um, he's trying to d- deflect you from the fact that he's also a massive racist as well. And so Ty's so like, I don't think he is, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna try like, and investigate further. She's just like, I would have thought this would have come up before now. Yeah, I'd have thought so. So she finds. I mean, goes, it's not, it's one, it's one thing sort of holding problematic views. And, and sort of secretly nodding when somebody says something, you know, like that. And it's another thing to sort of go on to an organised gig. <laughs> yeah. It's like that's like another next step level up. of dedication, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So she goes and finds Spider in the street later. And it's like, L- listen to this music. Stick one of my yellow headphones you in your this? ear. Can you hear this? It's it's definitely it's racist, like the, what, isn't it? It's the most racist song ever. Just imagine. Like, I downloaded it and it's got yeah, a little yeah. E and a square next to it. This is explicit yeah. and not just because of the sweary words in there. So he's, like, I don't know. He's I like, I don't, maybe. I don't know. I, I just didn't hear it very well at the gig. I... And she's like, You're, what are you lying about? Do, you, do I even know you at all, Spider? And he's like, look, you do. I'm just the same happy-go-lucky guy as I always was. Saving the planet. Yeah, that's my bag, baby. And, and you, you're the most important thing for me. Definitely not a racist. No more questions, please, Toya. So he leaves her and 
she seems to be satisfied by this. She's very, well, very unsuspicious of him. He should have pulled out the the old, um, look, I don't really listen to the lyrics of songs. Yeah, I just like the like, tune. I just like the tune. And also... Just feeling the, feeling the rhythm in my soul. Your favourite Christmas song is Baby It's Cold Outside. And that's a rape song. Yeah, Toya. And I know that you're a rape victim, so you're allowed to reclaim that. <laughs> but it some people say that's very problematic. <laughs> but no one really cares because it's such a banging tune. It is, it is a banger. Um, so, Spider, this is when we go and see him having his uh, secret meeting. Well done. You did it away from the street. You're learning, Spider. Don't have your secret meetings near all your loved ones. Or maybe in to... Victoria Gardens. Yeah, maybe maybe pass that message on to Stephen while you're there. So he's there chatting with this definitely dodgy Scouse boss about wanting to pull out of this operation. He's like, oh, this is making things far too difficult between me and Toya. And the boss is like, no, look, Griff is clearly planning something big here. Um, you could save lives by staying put. So is this some kind of terrorism, do you think? I don't like, know. Like, save lives? Like, maybe is it like a, like a knife attack or... Is he going to go in, Yeah, is he going to go over to Weatherfield Mosque and do something dodgy there? And I, I really don't know. Yeah, maybe. Like... The fact that they said you could save lives by doing this makes it seem like there's a lot more at stake here than, you know, shouting rude words or singing yeah. a horrible song to somebody. <laughs> yeah, I've got a song that will get on your nerves. <laughs> oh <God. laughs> yeah, so th- there's something going on with Griff. I- I'm looking forward to seeing what this is. Well, he this gets is. convinced too. He-, he does. He's like, oh, okay, then I'll do it for another couple of weeks. He's clearly not happy about this. Goes back home to, to-, to Griff's. He says to the guy, I'm so- I tried doing a thing where I'm like, I-, I can't hear out of my left ear. So it might have been racist, but I... But she wouldn't buy it. I don't, I'm all out of options now, Sarge. Any any tips that you could give me, please? It's like, no, I literally can't help just you. Just say it again. Um, just buy her a bunch <laughs> just of keep flowers. Just saying it and smiling. <laughs> so Spider goes back to his mates. Well, who he thinks they think are his mates? Racism HQ. At Racism HQ. Um, they've got a lovely flat there, and um, they're all they're all there around the table. And and this show this is, shows just how hard I found it to concentrate on because the guy that was standing by the fridge I was like is, is that Spider's boss <laughs> and I was, I was literally rewinding back and forth saying, are they the same person is he also undercover and I took a photo of Spider's boss and I held it up to you next to next to racist fridge man again are they the same person ask you they a weren't. question are you trying to tell me that all white people look the same I, to you I'm just face blind you know this I know. this is I, why I find I it difficult to, say, to concentrate in films I was also a bit confused. Is he it just the same his man? Hair differently? It's because he's got a similar. He had a similar haircut. He had very similar facial features, same and build. he's also tall and lanky. Yeah, yeah. But no, he was different. Anyway, um, Spider's trying to, to to worm his way back into um, Griff's affections well, by Griff's saying, is, "Griff's annoyed because you went off with Peter. He, he, thought you were on our side." Yeah, and he also wanted Peter to talk, and Peter's mm. not talking. Yeah, he wanted Peter to do his his um. Is anti doctor punch a doctor poetry or whatever it was. What do you do? What's it called when you do your slam poetry? Slam poetry, yeah. He wanted him to slam the man on the mic yeah. after the gig, but he was back home with Peter with with Spider, sorry. And Peter's like, yeah, sorry, I just just didn't want Peter to go back and turn Toya against me because you know what? She's a good shag. 
he, I can't believe that. Not, not, I'm not, I'm not saying I don't believe that about Toya. I'm saying <laughs> when, when the words came out of to- Spider's mouth, he basically saying. Yeah, I got quite a good thing going with me bird back in Weatherfields. Well, that's and I don't want to ruin that. The only way that he can explain why he's with Toya. Yeah. And Griff's like, She's... we can get you a racist girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, no problem. There's loads of racist girlfriends. But is she... Yeah, but is she racist and vegan? He loves no. her vegan lasagna, as veggie lasagna, doesn't she? Yeah, so... that's true. Mm. I can spot... Is he vegan or is he veggie? I can't remember. Well, she's vegetarian. She is, but can spider eat her veggie lasagna if it's got actual cheese in it. Dunno. What a, what a tough mm. Anyway, is <laughs> Griff's like, oh yeah, I can understand that. Sex is great, innit? So you can stay with me. I have sex all the time, definitely. You stay with me. Hanging around with all these white male white supremacists gets me laid gets, so much. Gets me the birds. Those racist songs are quite the aphrodisiac. <laughs> He's like, right, you, uh, you, if you cross me, mate, you'll wish you'll stayed with the woke meister, Peter Barlow's new nickname. Well, that, that that's German. Oh, it's a Volkmeister. That's a clue. Yeah, what does what's Volk in German? It sounds a bit like folk, which is the people. People. I been the Volkmeister. Oh, that's that's, that's very sinister. Isn't it, it is. Yeah, um, it's like that's like the der Führer, isn't it? It's been der Meister des des Volkes. Yeah. That's Maybe. German, I, I guess. Spider's like, don't worry about it. Don't. Uh, I. I. I'm. I'm. I'm really on your side. And then he has a swig of beer because he's a real man, but he looks worried because he's a soap character and it's the end of the week. So he's a, he's a somewhat uncomfortable at at this um, web of lies that Spider is spinning. But nice, I see what nice I did one. there. Um, and I'm just mega intrigued as to what happens next in this. Um, it feels like since Spider's come back, he, he had a long period where we didn't see much of him. And then there's been like activism light, hasn't there? And there's been the old getting back with Toya and everything. But it's like, oh, this feels like it could be quite a big, serious, important, issues based story. I'm worried and, about And Toya. lovely Spider and Toya are involved in it. What are you worried about for Toya? She might get uh, in trouble. I think I think if I was Spider, I'd just say to Griff, "Look, stop inviting Toya to stuff. She's such a bloody killjoy. She's not <laughs> racist at all. I've tried asking her if she wants to be racist, and she keeps she saying no." No. no. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm I'm really as 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 loath as I am to say it, because I don't always like there being you know one issue story after another. Just the fact that this feels something a bit different to what Curry's done in the past. We we've kind of talked about the possibility of them having some sort of extremism storyline ever since like um like we, we said is that are they going to go down that route for Zidane I remember didn't I we I thought they when... had plans for they've had plans before yeah they have I think for various they're... characters who have just either said no I'm not doing it or or they've realised that that's going that's too far I, I, I read um on social media that Hollyoaks has also had an extremism storyline and people are saying oh Corey just copy it now I, I don't know what that storyline is about but no, what is original in soap as long as it feels to me like I've not seen anything like this before I'm, I am really really interested about where it goes I just hope they can do it justice in its pre-watershed state um, and I don't want it to be like you know the upskirting story let's say earlier this year where it's there for a couple of episodes oh, and then it's over what, so like like in the upskirting story they were like right everyone has to have this lesson now about consent 
are they going to take Griffin at all that lot and, and pull him into the classroom? Yeah, they're going to get Daniel to give him a lesson, a PSHE equality. lesson about equality, exactly, and then and then it's all sorted. Yeah. No, I, I want this to be long-lasting. Um, not quite sure where I want it's it to go. It's too heavy for me. It, it is a bit heavy. I, it's, it's difficult to talk about on the podcast too because one thing I don't want anyone to think is that I ever, in my wildest dreams, thought that I would ever... Um, I don't want anyone to think that I, I feel as though I'm qualified or speaking from a position of any kind of authority about this. It, it's, it's, you know, we started this podcast to talk about a, a programme that when we when we did started the podcast, it had nowhere near as many issues based no. storylines. So it feels very uncomfortable to almost position yourself as an expert on something because you you have to believe that what you're saying is of interest to do a podcast in the first place, mm. don't you? Yeah. But this is not something that I feel qualified to talk about, but I'm not going to not talk about it yeah. because that would be what, well, you know. It's it's going to be certainly um, a tricky one to navigate in parts. And as you're right, I feel like, you know, as a, as a, a privileged white man, um, sometimes talking about racism for, for other people who've experienced it in their lives... It doesn't like it can seem be quite ge- frustrating. Yeah, and but we don't we'll do the best we can with this one. We we obviously don't can't represent no other anyone other than ourselves. But in a way, that's kind of useful for this story because it is about white people. Mm. Um, it's not about the effect that at the moment it's going to have on or it's having on somebody mm. who's the target. So it's it's about this sort of extremist white supremacist. But you know, I don't know anything about that either. <laughs> I don't. I don't much. But um, I mean, every, once a year, I have to do a little bit of online training where I have to click some buttons where somebody's talking, and I have to click every time I hear them say something concerning. Really? I, yeah. It is, How I, yeah. many times would you have clicked today during this podcast? Oh crikey! I should. I should have had a little click counter yeah. going. Yeah, definitely quite a lot. So I know a little bit about it, but um, maybe talk about that in in future weeks, maybe um, when it might become. Um, a do they bit play more. you any songs? They don't. They wow. don't. No. There you go. I, I, uh, I'm it's still in the dark about that one. Anyway, um, definitely fascinated about where this is going. Um, very heavy. Should we, should we move on to a lighter storyline, Gemma? Eileen thinking that she's had an otherworldly experience from beyond the grave or something. Because this is definitely the, um, yeah, this, this, this is the filler. Vanilla cream filling, one might say. Um, over to you. What's Eileen been getting up to this week? Um, she on Monday has um, she's having she basically the, the beginning of the week sets her up as a horrible moaning cow. As if in case you're a new viewer <laughs> yeah. and you don't understand what's about to happen is very uncharacteristic of Eileen. She just hates everybody. So just so you know, so we get to see her. She's, she's just, just like being mad at everybody. Although it... I would be mad if everybody's. What are they doing? They're they just being, they're just slobbing about and not tidying up in her house. I mean, you could partly blame her for welcoming well, everybody and his dog onto the street to I live in their house. I was a bit disturbed by their choice of snacks. And not... I can't remember exactly what it is, but I have very strict rules in my mind. Any chocolate-based or caramel-based snacks must only be consumed with milk-based drinks, mm. like tea or milk. Yeah. But they were just 
popping them away. But if you're going to have a fruity-based sweets, like mm. Haribo or gummy worms or something, yeah. then you can only have clear liquids like squash or Coke. <laughs> okay? okay. So you can't be going around having a chocolate biscuit and a glass of squash. That's absolute anarchy. I think she was more just narked about the fact that they were blobbing around leaving the house a mess and she was the one that was cleaning up after them. She's not always been like... She's not maternal at all. No. What are you trying to say? No, I'm saying that she isn't always a nasty cow. When when she came into the programme... I was programme, just joking, really. No, no, no. When she came into the programme, she was quite light-hearted and, and it was just more like dry wit and sarcasm, wasn't it? Um, well, but yeah. So it, it was it was, set, it was setting up a nice little... Um, just in case you wondered, Eileen, not the nicest person. No. And she's like, I don't know why she takes these pumpkins. She takes these pumpkins. I think she's got to take them to the pub. She takes them outside and like Gail's... Glenda's pumpkins, aren't they? Yes. Gail's bumbling along, listening to an Italian. She's trying to learn Italian still, after all these years. <laughs> after she was tricked with Italian for lovers. By Lewis, Archer. By Lewis. Do you think... Because that was the trick, wasn't it? He, it was a, he was giving her this DVD to teach her Italian because they're going to run away to Italy together. Yeah. And then when she put the DVD in, it was just him going, ha, you idiot. Wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she, do you think that the main scene. thing she was mad about all these years later is that she wanted to learn Italian? <laughs> I don't know. So she's I still say, holding on to that grudge. I say, Gail, give it up. Well, apparently you, she was. You, you need she to... was saying something about landing a helicopter. Apparently. Oh, she... <laughs> so, so she's engrossed in this, and she doesn't see Eileen, and they bump into each other, and the pumpkins go on the floor, and Eileen, to be dramatic falls over. This is actually, now I think about it, twice in one week that a fairly pint-sized character has it's been not... able to knock over somebody who's quite a bit larger than them with uh, with force onto the street. Maybe Coronation Street is set in a parallel universe where the forces of gravity are becoming weaker. Only explanation. And then eventually we'll end up, everybody just floats off the planet. Mm. And it was very clearly a stunt Eileen that fell onto the floor as well, really. among the pumpkins. Yeah. So she's dead. No, she's not. She just thinks oh, she's maybe just, she is. She's just laid out cold, which is honestly just as concerning, well, not as concerning, but... Gail's bloody doing a dithery dimwit act, going, oh, what do I do? Oh, help, help, help. And then George runs over and so does Sean. And George drops his vanilla slice in front of her face. And then he shines a light in her eye. And then Gail's phone goes off. And all of these things combine. And uh, Eileen eventually gains regains consciousness. So she goes to the hospital, gets checked out. She's got mild concussion, but she's fine. George isn't very sure because he's worried that she might have um, very serious brain injury. And he's like, she's like, don't worry about it. And and she's like, I, I, you know what? I don't, I don't even mind that I fell over because it's nice to have a lie down. Yeah. So this is where we start day. to see um, a bit of a personality change for Eileen, which is the um, the running gag of the week. She's just very chilled out. She gets home and she says, oh, I should um, replace those pumpkins, shouldn't I? And we should carve them together. That would be a lovely thing for us to do. And Todd and Sean are like, what the hell has happened here? <laughs> on Wednesday. She's had a personality transplant, but not a head swap. What's going on? What's happened? Normally they change the actors. <laughs> on Wednesday, Eileen's like, yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm happy for the first time in my life. And George is like, I think this is something that's going on here. 
Uh, later on, um, she goes to the cafe and Shona gets her order wrong and she's like, yeah, you know what? It doesn't matter, does it? Uh, the reason I'm so chilled out is because as I thought I was dying, I smelled a beautiful scent <laughs> and I saw I saw a bright light and I heard beautiful music and I think I saw a bit of heaven. She 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 says, yeah, I think I had a glimpse of heaven. I wish that there had been a character who had a beard and long hair, a man. Yeah. Who had come Just up and gone, Lee, maybe there should have been a paramedic and she could have been like, and I saw Jesus. <laughs> but I think that they wouldn't have like, they wouldn't have gone that far, but it would have been hilarious. Maybe if, maybe if Billy had come, yeah. she would have thought he was Jesus. Very, very, um. Well groomed Jesus. <laughs> Back at home, Eileen's like, guess what, Sean? I I think I saw the afterlife and it was really nice and so I'm not scared of dying. Is that why Eileen's always grumpy? Because she's terrified of dying. Maybe. She's she's just filled with the terror of knowing that her existence will eventually come to an end. Yeah. Existential dread haunts <laughs> her every minute. Sean is convinced by this she's straight like, away, that isn't true. he? Yeah. Um, I'm not going to ask you a question. So and she goes upstairs and then and George is like, Sean, heaven's not real. She was smelling my vanilla slice. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know whether to tell her or not. And she seems so much happier now. Why would we take that away from her? So they decide not to. And um, and then also uh, Eileen goes to the food bank. And then Friday, she goes to buy vegetables to make soup for the soup kitchen. <laughs> and, and I... Um, I think it would be really nice if she kept up these charitable endeavours after. I think she should. Because I think that would be quite sweet. It just feels a bit... Um, feels a bit mean that she's like, ah, screw it, I hate everybody again. <laughs> there's no there's no afterlife, so I'm not going to bother You'd making soup. you have to be concussed to want to work at a food bank. Yeah. So, so Todd's like, Todd's like, has everybody else gone mad? Can you not see that she's not normal anymore? Yeah, because Todd is still at this point he in the dark know. about what's Sean going on with his dear mum. the only ones that know. And so um, Mary and George are talking about uh, Eileen's enlightenment in the in the pub. And Mary's really excited because the, the magazine, the, the paranormal magazine that exists in the world of Coronation Street is called The Inexplicable. And she wants to write in because there's like a personal experience um, section. And she's always wanted to get published in it. And... Um, Hasn't she been involved in ghost stories on the show before? I'm sure think, she's had yeah. stuff that she could have written in about. And she's like, let me write in, let me write in about. I'll pretend I'm her. And he and, and George is like, no, I tell you what, I tell you what really happened. It's very explicable, actually. And uh, he says, don't tell her, though, because only me, you and Sean know. Um, and then Eileen is uh, tipping people, washing cars. And Mary says, you've got to tell her the truth. You've got yeah, to ba- tell basically Todd. this... Oh, go on. You got to tell Todd yeah. as well. I, I did probably didn't even write them all down, but yeah, as I've heard, the running gag this week is there's just various scenes of Eileen being helpful and Smiling cheerful and, and forgiving all week and totally out of character. So George tells Todd, and Todd cannot believe this. He must. He's like, we have to tell her the truth. You you can't, you can't not tell her. You have to. You have to let her know. So he summons Eileen to the pub. And right before he tells her, Gail is toddling about with wine, red wine, and she bumps into Eileen again and pours wine all over her. And um, 
she's like, oh, I don't mind. You know what? You can get this out if you just use a stain stick. It's not that Yeah, Eileen's like, I've got a stain back at home that I can deal with this. It's and fine. And Gail's like, oh, great. See you later. She runs off. And then George can see that Todd's about to tell Eileen the truth. So yeah, he's he right. He's around the back by the piano, He takes the wine because he's scared she's going to throw it at him. And she takes he takes her jacket and with Mary, they like hide around the corner as Todd tells her what ha- what actually happened. And she's obviously furious and she throws her drink in Todd's face, which makes George jump and he spills even more red wine from the glass onto Eileen's jacket. And then that incenses Eileen and she, when she sees Gail in the street later on, she confronts her about her, her jacket and they have a slanging match. Yes. And Classic Gail and Eileen fight. This was a this is a one week and done sort of story, wasn't it? I didn't really, I didn't get any point of this other than it was just a bit of a filler. I I do, I do sometimes think that they return to the well of Gail and Eileen feuding with each other a little bit too often and trying to. It's a kind of a way of saying, remember that fight? Do you remember? You remember when Todd came out and they had a and they had a and a rolling rolling about in the street? Do you remember the village people line? It, it, do, is it feeling fake to you? It and does a feel like, a bit like, yeah. Remember this reference, yeah. reference, callback. You all love this classic scene. They don't seem to do it with a whole lot else. Like you know, they don't. They're not keeping on mentioning Peter at the AA meeting. Well, you know, Sally and Yasmin had a very long feud, and that doesn't really get brought up anymore. No, it's just it always feels like they're constantly trying to rekindle. Re, yeah, yeah, make re, re make make a. Gail and Eileen fight part two, and they've they've tried it before. Like they they had a they had a fight at the salon about know, six, seven, eight or so years ago, and it's like, look, they're back again. They're fighting. And it's like, yeah, okay. I think the the problem is now with Gail that she's such a simpleton. I I feel kind of bad for her. It's like kicking well, a kitten, like, yeah, isn't it's it? It's like Gail. It, there should be some kind of balance in the fight, but Eileen outsmarts and outmuscles her. Yeah. So so yeah, that, that, it's I kind think of like watching a. Kind of like watching a, a German Shepherd eating a Chihuahua. Yeah, I mean, like so when, you can't really root for the. When when you add when you add um, Ina Sharples and Elsie Tanner, you know, at loggerheads in the street, they were they, they were, were an even match women, there, weren't, weren't they? they? But and they were scary in their own right. Yeah, but with girls, she just goes, "Oh, that Eileen, oh, and cliff oh, over them. Oh, Eileen Grimshaw, you're just a horrible yeah. old cow. So whatever, I'm on Eileen's well, side. That's there. fine. Um, I like the fact that we had a ghost. This week. Oh yes, we did mention that. I can't, that was in this scene, wasn't it? Um, Jenny mentions the ghost of Annie Walker haunting the well, Rover's she said cellar. She went, when she's moving stuff around in the cellar, she heard a posh woman's voice going, "No." Yeah, yeah. I I like I, that. I like that. I enjoyed Happy Eileen as I was kind of a bit conflicted in this because, on my one hand, I was saying this is bloody stupid storyline isn't it why I, I was h- kind of hoping at some part that for some part that guy that Eileen was like having them on or something I it, was expect that seemed like a more normal Coronation Street storyline yeah where, but they would have had to have deliberately tricked her yeah so but th- the fact that she actually believed that she'd had this heavenly experience I just didn't think it was within her character so I was kind of torn by it with that thought but then also really really loving happy smiley friendly Eileen and all the little but scrapes she was getting into with Shona and that lot far be it for me to ever do this and you know we don't do this on the podcast but if you were to over examine this storyline it's actually incredibly tragic 
How so? Well, because like I said, it kind of insinuates that Eileen is just full of existential dread at all moments, which is why she's constantly, (laughs) you know, grumpy because she's she's kind of like continually grappling with her own mortality and wondering what the point of life is. And then she suddenly gets this glimpse of it in her mind and everything's fine and so she can finally relax for the first time ever and show off her real true self as she would be if she was content (laughs) with everything. And then they just rob it off of her and go, that was just a vanilla slice. Yeah, so, I mean, should they have told her? Did they do the right thing by telling her? It's, It's the sense of inner peace that she had, not something that we all strive for. And if it was, you know, it's... Obviously, she didn't really see heaven, but would it be so bad to let her think that she did? Mm. Because don't we all kind of want that reassurance to know that there is something nice, yeah, something nice out at, there after you die? I just think it's really, it's really, actually, really, really tragic that yeah. poor Eileen is just can, never going to be happy ever. Mm. I um I, I did think it was funny at the very end where she was talking with Gail and, and, and Gail said, I thought you had some Gail, some some stain remover stick and she's like, I lied. So I do like that kind of Eileen, but I just I just really enjoyed Happy Eileen and there was just the, the look of peace and happiness and smiling mm-hmm. on Sue Kleber's face there, who plays Eileen. That I, you, I don't think we've ever seen never this. I've seen that expression off, on her face ever before. I tell you what would have been um quite funny um, if she had just gone through, like maybe um, it began, it began to grate on her too. Like you know, don't worry, Gail. I'm sure I can take the stain out. That would have actually been quite and funny then, if she'd have just cracked. And yeah, she just cracked, and then and then um, and then uh, George says, "Look, Eileen, don't worry about it. It was just a vanilla slice and a phone light." And yeah. then she would have gone. Thank God for that. I thought I'd have to behave yeah, myself for the rest of my life. Because the, the very idea that having this um, this, this supposed vision. Spirit, spiritual vision would fundamentally change her character, like without Ever. her even trying. Seems weird. It, yeah, it felt like she was almost being possessed yeah, by the... And, and spirit if she, of Jesus. Yeah, like the Holy Spirit had come down onto her or yeah, something. Yeah. And if, if it had been her saying, right, I've done this, I... I'm happier now. It's going maybe going against what I usually like, but I'm going to really try hard to be a better person now or something. And but right, and then she I couldn't keep know. it up. I think I think we're analysing this story a bit longer than it needed to I be. To be honest, a lot but more it was it was it was it was silly filler. Um, I, it's not the sort of storyline that I want to have loads in Coronation Street, but um, it was fine, and and I and I like all the characters involved as well, which which always helps. Apart from maybe Gail, sorry. Well, I like the fact that it was Halloween themed, and I like the ghost. There, yes, there were some smashing pumpkins in there, weren't there? <laughs> so, well, the afterlife and the ghost. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So right, let's get through these these final stories here. So we got what's been going on at number nine this week. So. There's two basically two halves of this, like I said earlier. We've got your Taekwondo and then you've got your Booker John. And the Taekwondo bit is um, Tyrone has decided that he's going to go to these martial arts classes and Fizz is like, what, what the hell are you doing that for? What's going on there? And he's, I can't remember what the reason was that he wanted to, wanted to go to this. But um, at, at work, Sean is teasing Fizz that, <laughs> that Tyrone's going to find, and I quote, a martial arts alina. 
and, uh, and it basically winding him up and Carla joins in as well that because when he first fancied Alina it was when she was doing yoga with him wasn't it mm. and he's and, and, and everything and uh, and and so Fizz is a little bit worried by by these uh, by these little jokes that are being made and um, when Tyrone comes back from his class later Fizz is bombarding him with questions she's like mega insecure about this especially when she hears about the fact that the instructor was a female Sue it was called she was called <laughs> and when she goes for a shower she kind of eyes his gym bag and she he comes back down later and she's rifling through it finding his jock strap that's just... I don't even know what that is. You know, what is it? Um, What's a jock strap? I think it's just like a willy holder. Protector. Maybe? I don't know. I'm not the sportiest guy, as you know. I kind also of imagine American. it like, a, like suspenders but that go underneath. I'm not really sure. Heart, but I don't know why you'd want that. I don't know whether I really want to know I'm anyway. Google it. What is it? What do you wear for Taekwondo? Is that... Like when you do... Why do you keep something called Taekwondo? When you is it like a gi? Is that a thing? Um, I don't think is you that do. Karate. I don't know. Well, like you use it, you wear one in judo. Anyway, he, she's looking through his. Oh, it's his... Like just like a pair of pants. Oh well, there you go. Stop looking up half naked men on your phone while we're doing this podcast. Oh look, there's a reindeer themed one. <laughs> oh my god! Oh up. my god! There's a pair of bum there. Stop it! Stop looking up posing pouches. It's disgusting. <laughs> what the hell? Why would you not want your bum covered? You're gonna get cold. There's an elephant one there. Stop it! This is this These is worse. These men are gonna get chilly. I'm worried about them. Never mind that racist song. We're gonna get an E rating on our podcast this way. Anyway, so she's like she she confesses to him. Look, I'm just really insecure that you're sneaking around with another woman after Alina and everything. And he's like, no, I'd never jeopardise your relationship with me. Love you too much. And then there's this weird thing about Joseph punched him out in the class. And I don't really know whether that's important for anything. So I didn't write any more about it. Just it just undermines his masculinity. Yes. So which, I think he's not going to go back, is he? I don't know. Well, can, Kevin is also ribbing him on Friday about it, isn't he? About so this is Joseph the third character now. A little character that's flattened another one. Yes, you're right. Peter flattened tough guy Eileen's knocked Eileen over no I mean I, Eileen's been knocked over by Gail and now we've got Joseph punching over Tyrone what's running happened? theme here the laws what's of physics mean nothing to Coronation Street <laughs> but anyway no more of that part of the storyline because Fizz gets a phone call from a journalist lady who leaves an answer phone message saying I want to interview you about John. And she's like, what the hell is going on I'm here? I'm doing a podcast about Coronation Street ghost stories. <laughs> yeah, but tell me more. No, it turns out that this book is being published about John Stape. And um, they'll say, I'll let you read the first chapter if you speak to us about it. Because they're going to be um, serialising it, they find out. So the story of John Stape, is if anybody cares, I don't know. I know what... Is- what- is there an anniversary or something coming up? Not, I, not as far as I know. John Stape was... No, he was like 2009, 2010, 11, maybe his reign of terror. I don't really get it. But anyway, they're going to be serialising his story in the paper. So Fizz's name was going to be all out there and Hope's going to be maybe dragged through it as well. Oh, no. So back at home, Fizz sits Hope down and breaks the news to her about this book. Hope doesn't seem particularly bothered as long as she can... Um, assault anybody at school with a pinch who makes fun of her. She just is happy when she has her cereal chocolate stash um, and, and well she seems upstairs. to think that being an alcoholic is worse than being a serial oh, killer. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. She talks about a mate at school whose dad's an alcoholic. Is she friends with Aaron? Does Aaron have a younger brother or sister? Or are there mm. other alcoholics in Weatherfield? I don't can't believe there's more than one. Uh, but yeah, Tiffany's and Tyrone are just like, oh, she doesn't particularly seem to care, does she? We'll just have to wait and see what happened when this book gets published. Why so. are they interview? Oh, okay. So. You would have thought, so the journalist who's reporting on the book has done more due diligence and research than the person that wrote the book who has not even bothered to talk to Fizz. He wasn't just his wife, but also one of his victims. Yeah, which makes me think, well, it, it must be Phil, because this is what they kind of wonder, Tyrone and Ponder, is this Phil's book, don't, don't they? And it isn't confirmed one way or another. Yeah, because if it was Phil, he would know there's no point in me trying to ask her mm. about it because she would go off on one but I mean, if you were writing a book wouldn't you ask yeah you know you wouldn't go oh is it all right if i write a book about your husband you'd say i'm gonna write a book about it you want to put your side of the story across yeah. or not i just don't How believe come you didn't know i can't believe that there would be two books being written in the same year about this guy that'd be a massive coincidence wouldn't it so sir it it's got to be phil I'm intrigued about this because, yeah, it, it does make sense. Because Phil would... Phil's got the motivation too because he would do this for a revenge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. As After well as... The, and he's done all this work already. You know that he's got all this background information. Yeah, it would have been very easy for no him. No skin off his nose, is Unless it? Why not really? Unless they're going to say something it? like maybe Phil passed his notes on to somebody yeah. and said, don't ask Fizz, I, it's, gets it's, mad about it. It's got to be linked in this in some way. I just have got... Because a... really, if you're going to write a book about a serial killer of Weatherfield or, you know, a, a crime spree or something, you're not going to go John State first, no. are you? I mean, there's it's... plenty more in that well before you reach the dregs of Stape. Yeah, is it like is there like a book like My Little Serial Killer Weatherfield Edition, and they're just going through all the different people, and they've already done uh, Pat Field, and they've already <laughs> done Richard Hillman. I think they need to do one of these ring binders, like collect an issue every week and uh, yeah. put it all together, and then by the end of it, what can you have constructed? Um, an axe. Uh, a, statue a scale of a, model of the Weatherfield Canal where uh, Richard Hillman met his watery end. No, a scale model of Coronation Street with a little tiny corpse for each person who died. Yeah, yeah. something like that. And it's like, like welcome. Part one out now. Find out about Pat Phelan's evil crime spree. <laughs> Nicola, his daughter, did she know anything about it? Why didn't he kill Michelle? More questions answered inside. There just seems like there's far more to say about anyone Phelan else. and Hillman and almost anyone than Stape, who was not Tracy's some evil get... Machiavellian schemer. Just he was a just a bumbling idiot. Yeah, the just... accident, it, for anybody who wasn't watching back then, basically, and, and you can add more to this if I'm forgetting things, but he was, he was in the room when a colleague died, Colin Fishwick, he buried his body wrapped in a yeah, wrapped in the carpet. He jumped to that underneath. I've forgotten. Yeah, that. that is quite big. Underneath a factory, and then tried to dump it in the canal. So maybe that's quite big. He accidentally smothered this guy's mum to death. She was working out what he'd done, and she, yeah. he was like, "Shut up, shut up." Um, what else? Then did he, he did. Then he got Charlotte, Charlotte Hoyle. Oh yeah, then he whacked Charlotte Hoyle on the head during. Then he the befriended her parents. There's and a, made them there a, made them switch off a life support machine. Do you yes, remember that's that? right. That's right. That was quite. Cheeky. There was a good story. Then he there. jumped off the roof and survived. Yeah. Okay. Okay. He tried maybe. to kidnap his baby. Yeah. Didn't he? Yeah. Then he ran away into the night. I still just don't know whether there's a book's worth. 
And I don't... Didn't I, he make Fizz move a body? He made Fizz yeah. move the body during the tram crash, Charlotte's yeah. body. No, I thought no, I thought he got her, oh, her Char- to move Colin's I body. I can't remember now. I just He's can't believe that enough people would care about it when there's plenty more... I'd read it. You would read it. I mean, you, you have been saying recently that you hope that this John Stapes thing gets brought up again. But... Well, I, I think I don't actually read true crime books. Mm. The only one I've read is in, true, in Cold Blood, which is really good, but... I would I would definitely listen to a podcast series about it. Yeah. I just I I, I don't know. I and, and like I said with the Gail and Eileen thing earlier, they like they're seeming to like they're liking to bring this back up again. And ever since the Richard Hillman story, there was a there was a period of time for quite a while that, you know, the ghost of Richard Hillman would rear its ugly head and like David would be writing the cards to Gail pretending that he was Richard or someone somebody would blame say, Oh, this is all because of Richard. I just think that I'm not getting the same feed it's like they're trying to recapture that saying oh john state remember him everybody that was a fun story and the, and the story as much as we enjoyed it i recognize that it was not one of cory's biggest stories ever and i'm thinking why do you keep bringing it up because they had they had jade the other year didn't they his secret daughter i kind of like it I'm in two minds. I'm interested to see where it goes. I'd be interested to see, are they going to bring back Jade? I don't think they will, and I've certainly not seen any spoilers one way or the other Maybe about... Maybe she wrote it. It could have been. Because she wouldn't need to talk to Fizz. But she was... She hero-worshipped him, didn't she? And I don't know whether this kind of book, which Can is... Can I just tell you that there are a lot of weird people in the true crime community? Are there? I yeah. can believe that. And I don't necessarily think that being a fangirl of a murderer hmm. rules you out of writing a book about that person. <laughs> I I just remember thinking that when Jade left, and this was early 2020, I'm going to say, it felt like there was unfinished business there and she left very quickly, didn't well, she? Well, she's got a really good story because um, bloody Fizz tried to kill her. Yeah. That would make a good climax for your story about how much of a nutcase. There we go. She then. could pin it all on Fizz. If that happened, she you heard it first. She could write the secret story of John State, the, the story they didn't tell you. <laughs> that would be something that would be worth publishing. If you were a publisher, you'd be like, why would I write a story about this boring loser? Yeah. And then she'll say, well, because he was stitched up, he was framed by Fizz, and I can tell you I've got proof because she tried to kill That'd me. That would be brilliant. I can give you my... F- my first per- first hand account yeah yeah sign sign, sign her up do you think just before we move on to the next story what where, where's this going with fizz's insecurities about tyrone is he going to stray again you'd oh, be a bloody tedious. idiot if he did tedious you you were never happy about them getting back together again did you and i was and i'm thinking you better bloody not tyrone if you if you're gonna do that make your own beans on toast fizz. in the future yeah right Gemma, summer baby go what's she been up to just to Oh, here we go. Right, so Summer's like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna terminate this baby. I don't want to keep it. And Billy's like, I'll come with you. And she says, No, I'm just going with Aaron. Thank you. So they come back from the medical centre, and Doctor Gallus has referred her, and she's really upset. So she's got this clinic she's got to go to, yeah. and Aaron's like, I can, I'll stay with you overnight. And she says, No, I, oh, you need to go back to your dad. Um, and then Esther comes around. So Esther is the the Christian lady who wants to adopt Summer's child and raise it as hers because she's been having trouble conceiving. And um, Summer says, I'm really sorry, but I'm going to 
have an abortion. And Esther's like, look, I'm not going to tell you what to do. And I'm not going to lecture you about whether it's right or wrong to have an abortion. But if you have one, you're probably going to go to hell. <laughs> yeah, basically. She's, she's I'm not going to lecture you. But then she proceeds to do just that. Um, and she also says, look, don't forget that I'll give you money if you if you decide to keep the baby. And that would be nice, wouldn't it? Because you are kind of useless. Yes. And Billy's like, what money? Yes, Billy happens to walk in at that very moment. What money are you talking about? And Esther's, Esther's like, Billy, do you not think this is a weird coincidence that I want a baby and she's having one and she doesn't want it and I do? Is it not a sign from God that this is what he wants? I think I can smell, yeah, vanilla slice. Can it is smell, a sign from God. Can you smell that vanilla? And can you hear that woman speaking Italian? <laughs> well, I mean, the Pope is does live in kind of Italy. He does live in kind of Italy, but... There's probably lots of Italians in heaven. I don't think that neither Billy nor Esther really care about what the Pope's doing, what with them not being Catholic. Yeah, but all. he also believes in Jesus. Yeah. They've got they're in that club together, aren't they? Are they are in that Jesus club, yes. Do you think that Billy thinks the Pope's gonna ha- going to hell? <laughs> I don't know. Is that what you're trying to Let's say? not get into that theological discussion. <laughs> Billy's like, don't talk about the Pope around me, that man is an abomination. <laughs> Anyway, so um, Billy's like, no, I don't think that is right, actually. Um, you better go. And <laughs> Billy's like, don't tell anyone, but I don't even think God's real anymore, to be frank. He says, go and have a bit of pray for guidance. Go and ask God what he thinks. Go and try again. he always tells me. Yeah. And uh, Summer's really upset because um, Billy's clearly not into her having an abortion either. And uh, is this when he... Does he actually come out and say this? Uh, a bit him? later on, maybe. I was actually really proud of Coronation Street for doing this because... Having the debate. In general, I think in this country, we are quite, not pro-abortion, but we're pro-choice. And um, saying that you're against abortion is kind of an unpopular thing to say, isn't mm. it? And, um, and, I, I, and I think that's that over the last 20, 30 years of, of our lifetimes, we've seen that viewpoint become more of the popular one, hasn't it? I, I, I don't know. I've always been unconcerned with what other people think mm. about it. But de- definitely, um, yeah, the idea that it, it's okay is the, is the, the norm in See, this country. See, the thing country. is, having, as, as a lifelong woman, I have, especially one who's gone to a girls' school, I think that uh, I was always told that it was my choice and I could have that's an option yeah. to me and so I don't know that I've really seen mm. I don't know I honestly don't know no. I think we've always been I don't, I don't know I'm not really ever. sure it's not anything that I've ever had to worry about had to worry about really no I'm hopefully. not sure that's an interesting point you might be right um, but anyway so you were saying you are really proud of Corey for I'm really for proud of having Billy who obviously they want to be a likeable character and he is quite likeable um, coming out and saying I just don't I just don't want want this to happen mm. and I think it's wrong. If they'd have had him all just being completely like, yeah, you go you go for an abortion if you want to, I don't think that would have rung true. So it oh, was Oh yeah, good this that... is Yeah, yeah, exactly. So this this is what happens. Um Yeah, he he clearly doesn't think it's a good idea. Todd finds someone on Maxine's bench and he tells her that Billy's just really worried and that his it's com he's you know, the religion is complicated um for him. Uh, but he, she's you're the, his number one priority and then Aaron comes around and Todd 
lets him sit down. And then Todd goes to the to Billy and says, well done, you idiot. You've made Summer feel like you're judging her. And he's like, yeah, I kind of am. I, it makes me very uncomfortable. It's not, it doesn't, uh, why are people surprised? He's a vicar. Mm. It does not gel with his... Also, being his, her, her kind of dad, I think he's got every right to... Well, hang on. What? Right to what? No, just to, to question some of the choices that she makes. and not just a, a go with, say, yeah, everything that you do. I'm going to be, you know, double thumbs see, up okay. with. So he's like, yeah, you're saying in his role as a parent. Yeah, 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 yeah. He should encourage her. But she's obviously thought about it and she's intelligent enough to work out for herself. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I agree with that. So, so he's like, yeah, this does make me uncomfortable because that is actually a potential human life and I don't think it's the right thing for her mm. to do. And, you know, and if it wasn't obvious and clear to everybody listening, I, I think it's Summer's choice to make and Billy should shut up. But I did really appreciate them showing different opinions because I also think that there are a different... Like, I don't think that we're a group hive mind in this country and everyone thinks abortion is great. No. I mean, even people that are pro-choice um, don't think abortion's great. It's just something that is very sad, but it's still a choice that can be made. Mm. Yeah. So there's been lots of really quite progressive in a, in a subtle sort of way um, approaches that Coronation Street's had for abortion recently. Because was it was it was it Amy or was it Amy? And she just had an abortion and she wasn't even that sad. Yeah. And I thought that was quite interesting because some women just just need to just, just need feel to that it. way about it, and that and some sometimes they can be made to feel guilty because they didn't have sort of the, you know, air quotes, appropriate reaction. Mm. I'm still not convinced that she's actually going to have this abortion. No, I don't think she will. But, um, so Todd says, sorry, Billy, it's not your decision. It's her choice. So (laughs) Billy's like, you know, when I sit down and really think about what's happened to summer (laughs) this year, it all sounds quite, I mean, it sounds like it should be interesting, but actually, do you not feel quite bored? (laughs) The cheating, she was, she added weed brownie, so maybe she should not have the baby in case it comes out all... Bit funny. Bit chilled out like Eileen. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that vanilla slice had more in it than we thought. Maybe, maybe. Now this. And Todd says she needs your support you should not be trying to manipulate her into doing what you think is right so summer comes back and um billy's like you are my greatest joy all i want is for you to be happy and to live the life you want to live sorry that i judged you um i i will support you no matter what yeah yeah he just says he's in her corner doesn't he which was nice so he didn't all I think it was natural that it was going to end there and that because he's had lots of lovely nice touching moments with Summer over the years but yeah like you said it was it was interesting that they did at least raise the possibility that he might not be a-okay with this 100% yeah yeah well, and then That's they gave it, us really. a break for a couple of days lovely yeah. thank you very much and um, the only other storyline we had this week was a little bit more of the double cross story and I, I kind of want there to be more about this and there, there was very barely anything that happened on Monday basically starts off with Bernie diving into a bin to find a receipt that had Fern's address on no luck there um, then we have Ardy and Asher making fun of Bernie for this whole doppelganger story they still don't believe that Fern exists Ben Dev defends her um, and then Dev says, oh, Bernie, if you want to come and stay at my house, if Gemma and Chesney are making life difficult for you next door, 
then you can. So she's like, yes, please, I'm going to go and get my stuff. And the twins are like, what the hell are you doing? She's a nutcase. Why are you saying that she can come and live in our house? And Dev says, look, I trust her. She's, I, I believe her. Bernie stays with us as long as she needs. And that was literally it. I don't really understand why they even had it in this week because it was just a way of saying, and Bernie's coming in to move with Dev now, isn't it? It did, isn't she? It did have a funny, a funny moment where she's going through a recycling bin and she's like, "Oh, I, I don't. I usually put this out or once every six weeks or something." And and Deb's utter shock at how lax her recycling is was um was quite amusing. I'm shocked because I don't understand where she puts everything. Then she lives in a house. Yes. With three adults and four children, how has she only got recycling for six weeks? Well, she, I think I think that's the thing. She just bungs it all in the main but Michael, bin. Michael, my point is, you could we do that here? No, you wouldn't have room. Oh, well, I don't know. Maybe she's maybe she's. You think she was bins. more pro recycling because she's such a hippy dippy? That's true as well. But is she a racist? Does no. she like racist songs? I think not. I think not. Because I thought environmentalism and racism go together <laughs> I just thought that was a funny line just saying how de- how how incensed Deb was about the whole thing but you're right maybe it doesn't some people quite get really mad about recycling don't they they do they, they come do. around and tell you that you're doing it wrong yes they can do that like Maria why doesn't Deb marry Maria then yeah already married right we're done with street talk um Gemma I think having spoken about it on the whole I'm feeling fairly positive about this week's Coronation Street. It wasn't like, um, you know, thrills and spills all the way around, but um, there wasn't too much where I was a bit, you know, feeling a bit bored by it. I think that the Stephen story is starting to lose interest a bit, but I've got every faith that it's going to get a lot crazier and get me back in again. Um, Daniel and Daisy, I, I really enjoy as a couple. They had some great moments on scene, and this, and then the spider storyline onwards. It's like I'm, I'm invested in this. Um, I hope they do it right. I think I'm gonna, I think I'm gonna go at three and a half though. I'm going to ch- ch- score this um, three and a half hidden chocolate bars in the cereal box three out of five. Three, yeah, Fizz has been at half of that one of those cereal bars already. Yeah. What are you going to give it? I'm going to give it um, a perilous tower of three enormous day glow orange pumpkins. <laughs> three? Yes. Fine. Okay, you go for it, you go for it. Oh, I just I just forgot something else I wanted to mention as well. I, I appreciated the little side story about Shona and her um, cappuccino art on Monday. That was yeah. quite nice. That was fun. So maybe you can provoke the score to that cappuccino pterodactyls as well. Right. Um, character of the week this week. Um, can I just quickly say something as you're thinking? Yes. Um, I'm just quickly Googled f- far right environmentalism and I found an NPR article called uh, Climate Change. The far right and environmentalism overlap is bigger than you think. Oh, well, there we go. And um, it was published on the 1st of April this year so I don't know if it's it can't be a big joke but it's saying it's basically saying that there's there's eco-fascism and that actually they are they are starting to they are bedfellows and um now I think about it also wasn't that Ted Kaczynski he was the the Unabomber he he was an environmentalist 
Um, I don't. But I don't know. think it was a racist. Yeah. Well, there, there we go. So maybe it makes more sense than we were we were giving it credit for earlier. Um, I'm, I'm kind of going between maybe Eileen and maybe Daisy's character of the week this week. I just really, really into Daisy at the moment, um, and. Um, just the way that she sensibly and maturely, I guess, handled the whole mummy thing. I, mean, I know she kind of went and had a bit of a freak out with Jenny about it. But um, I just I just very much enjoyed the character and um, the, the, the story itself maybe wasn't that engaging, but she helped make it a bit more interesting for me. So me? Daisy is going to be my character of the week. <clears throat> Etwa. Um, you got Stephen, you got Gabrielle, you got Eileen, you got Daniel, you got Daisy, you got Spider, you got Griff, you got Toya, you got Eileen. I'd like. Todd, I'm got... gonna give it to Spider just for his. Um, oh, nice. Like I don't know. I don't hear racism. Like I don't see colour. Well, I've got better reason <laughs> to give him to Spider than that. I will I've got a quote that. here that is interesting that I just found, which is why I'm sorry, but I was distracted. That's okay. Blair Taylor is a researcher at the Institute for Social Ecology. He said even the Nazis saw themselves as environmentalists. And well, here, Hitler was a vegetarian. Here's his quote. The idea was that natural, natural purity translates into racial or national purity that was one that was very central to the nazis environmental discourse of blood and soil mm. well i wonder are there any of the coronation street writers have read this very article there is a very there is this earlier very nativist exclusionary and racist history of environmental thought it was very much based on the idea of nature as violent competitive and ultimately very hierarchical domain where white europeans are at the top I did not know this. There you go. Hope, hope. Um, if you didn't know that, that that was interesting. Yeah, that what I mean. We 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 make you laugh and we educate you. And we tell you and we about tell you what happened in a program that you actually already watched or you already Probably, know. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, are we gonna? I think it's. I've got it's, to pack. It's, it's really late. I know that we we said we started this podcast late, but we did also have to have a bit of a break in the middle of it as well. Find the joins if you can. Um. It's now half past two in the morning and we. Got, I think we need to go to bed. There's not a whole lot of news if we were going to go into the cabin next. Sue Cleaver has touched down in Australia, so she is 100% doing I'm a Celebrity, I'd have thought. Uh, but part, oh, Helen Flanagan has apparently split up from her boyfriend. That's not... News. That's gossip. Definitely news. Maybe um, we did. We had loads of feedback as well. I'm really sorry, feedback people. We will save it to next week. Nobody else send us any feedback into next week, and we'll save this week's feedback for that. And then, although actually, I'd be quite interested to hear people's initial views on this um, Griffin Spider story. Actually, send yeah. us your views about that. Sorry, everybody. Yes, I'm sure that you can see that it's long enough already. <laughs> um, I do wanted to say a quick thank you to Sophie, who's a new patron this week. Tar very much, love. Thank you for joining Sophie. up to Hope us. That you enjoy our wonderful top five. Yeah. Ghosts. We, yeah, yeah. Sophie, hope you enjoyed it. Um, thank you very much for signing up. If you would like to sign up to our Patreon, then go to Patreon.com/slash/ConversationStreet, and and there's loads of extra lovely stuff. And um, if you sign up for it a year on the top tier, you can still get a bottle, a water bottle. We are going to run out at some point. We may well Just run out of water bottles. You got to get in there quick. You really want one, and the the um. It is a very special 10th anniversary um, gift. Maybe you know somebody who really likes the podcast um, and you want to buy them a lovely Conversation Street themed Christmas present this year. 
And you don't want it for yourself. That's okay. Well, sign up. I don't think you can do that. I don't know. We'd think of something out. Um, right, we are um, on Twitter. Go and follow us there. We're at Conversation Stew. We're on Facebook. There's a lovely Facebook group that is there having lots of wonderful discussions. We are on YouTube. Um, we are on Patreon, as we just said. What else have we said? Instagram. Send us a review. No, don't send us a review. Send iTunes a review of us. Five stars, please. That would be lovely. And um, of course, we have got our lovely blog www.conversationstreet.podbean.com where you can see every single one of our past 546 episodes and just re-experience it all. You can go and listen to everything we've ever said and then listen to the stuff that we upload to YouTube and go, I see why they took that out. Sometimes we cut things when we put it on YouTube. wonder if you can find Find out what it is or don't. Don't, just don't. Right, we're done. It's time for bed. Busy day tomorrow. We're going to be, um, we're going to have a bonus podcast coming out early next week. And then as we say, next week's Street Talk main podcast is going to be later on once Gemma's back from our holiday. So I hope you can hold your horses and um, until we get to that. But, but I also have to upload my Halloween movie. Are you actually doing that? Well, I said I would and you've got to do it before Halloween. Yeah. So you can listen. What are you doing? Are you I'm just going to say I did listen to what I listened. This is what I li- watched. Oh, okay. Well, look out. Well, you're, you have to do it with me. Oh, okay. I don't know how to do it, do I? No, I hope you do that. I hope you do you that. Can, you need to react to me and go, wow. Okay, we'll do something you, like you, that. So you liked watching Paranormal Activity for the hundredth time. We watched a... Sorry, I know we're supposed to be finished now. We watched a film today that had Jimmy Mystery in, didn't we? That's going to be part of the podcast. Yeah. The Patreon <laughs> podcast special edition Halloween movie roundup. Oh. Just, it's just for fun. Just for Halloween spooky fun. Just a special bonus. Do please listen to our ghost stories of Curse of Number Six this week. It was jolly good. It's only 25 minutes. Even if I do minutes. say so myself. Yeah, 25 minutes. You listen minutes. to all this, you can listen to that. Don't you? You've got nothing better to do. No, clearly not. We're going. Thank you for listening. Sorry about the lack of news and feedback. It will happen next week. ta everybody. Bye. Goodbye. The music for this episode came from podcastthemes.com. Bye.